0: Welcome to True Independent Media, Real News Live.
1: Well, good evening, good afternoon, good morning, wherever you may be across this beautiful, blue-green globe of ours. Welcome to Saturday Night Live on Real News Live. I'm your host, Mike Barra in Seattle, Washington. That handsome gentleman to my immediate stage right is Dr. Brooks Agnew, somewhere in North Carolina. Brooks, how you doing tonight?
2: Wonderful, absolutely wonderful.
1: Great to have you back here after a week's absence, and the lovely lady down below me from somewhere in the middle of nowhere, Montana, is the lovely and gracious and super damned intelligent Candice Whitelight. Candace, how are you tonight?
3: Hey, yeah, I'm good. I'm here and um, drinking hot green tea, and I just had a great day, went out and visited the horse. So.
1: And... Last, but absolutely not least, to my kitty corner, immediately diagonal, lower left, stage right, is the super amazing, the super talented Snake Pliskin. Blake, Snake Pliskin, Wally. (laughs) Welcome, Snake, for your first appearance on Saturday Night Live. How are you doing tonight, one eye and all?
0: Doing great, Mike. Yes, please call me Snake.
1: Snake. Call me Snake. Yeah, call Good me. To Chris see everybody. Then. Call me. Good me to <laughs> Blake, you look <laughs> fantastic. Somebody owes you, Jennifer Doreen. Somebody owes you fifty bucks. There you go, Jennifer. Totally. No, she it. already. There you go. Yeah. All right. It's <laughs> great to have. So she actually here. paid
0: me laughing. Yeah. She thought that somebody Photoshop. Um, and so Jennifer paid the fifty dollars thinking it won the iPad. So
1: you didn't okay so now we have okay so we've lost Blake he's frozen up a little bit but uh, that's okay he looks fantastic all right let's go around the horn I tonight am for my adult beverage on SNL am drinking out of my Seahawks beer stein I am going to drink a Red Hook ESB local product of uh the the uh, seattle area it is a awesome bitter english style beer and i am super enjoying it i don't know who else is frozen this looks like blake for the moment but blake will be back in a second he's got a little red dot next to him all right uh dr brooks agnew what exactly are you drinking tonight for everybody
2: ice cold coors light
1: ice cold coors light all right and that folks if you don't know brooks that is his favorite beer it's light it's uh, tasty. It's his favorite beer. You know, years ago, I um, I I picked on a lady, a girl that I know named Allie, who I think is going to be on the show next week to tell the true story, the true story from her perspective of how I obtained. Mm-hmm the Masonic tattoo on my arm. She's going to come in here, be a special guest to start the show, to tell everybody how I really got the tattoo because neither one of us certainly remembers. But I tortured her because she was drinking Bud because I remembered how Budweiser tasted in the 80s and it tasted like rat urine, as did Coors Light. But uh, Brooks, the other, when we were back in October, when we were in, um we were in... Um, Pine Top. Yeah, uh, Pine Top. I had a Coors Light and it tastes great. It's like they've re... Formulated all those beers that we drank as a kid that were terrible and they're now really pretty darn good i was yeah pretty good suitably impressed candace let me guess some sort of green tea concoction tonight is what you're drinking right
3: <laughs> yeah i'm having jasmine because i i just feel like that's a a really nicely flavored tea so yeah i'm just into green tea so there you have it
1: very very nice stuff we'll get uh, blake back guys don't worry we'll get blake back in a minute i wanted to uh thank you everybody who's been sending me wishes i did have a really badly infected tooth uh, i still do have it in my uh, my right upper wisdom tooth needs to come out i went to the dentist it was very badly infected we made we made the decision or i made the decision because i'm a chicken rather than extract it and then treat the infection we're going to treat the infection and then extract it in a couple weeks it, it is causing me some pain i can't really eat on that side of my mouth which is weird because I feel like I'm eating without really drinking, uh, without really, you know, enjoying the meal. It's weird, isn't it, Brooks? You got to you got to use both sides of your mouth, or it's just not as much fun to eat. And
2: yes. uh, eating is something you should savor. That's right. That's it's right. one of my favorite things about this planet.
1: Um, and I am on antibiotics. And I'm on um, pain, not really narcotic painkillers. If you saw yesterday's show, I did most of the show yesterday with my teddy bear, who which is 40 years old. So uh, there's Blake. He's back because I was under the influence of narcotics. No narcotics tonight. I know I'm not supposed to drink a beer with antibiotics, but I'm doing that anyway. I still got eight days of antibiotics left, so I'm just going to fight through it. And then this tooth is going to come out in uh, another week or so. So, hmm uh blake great to have you back tv's blake wally what is it that you are drinking tonight more more box red wine or what is it
0: it's still the same box i've had for a couple of months now so um, it's still okay i think i can get a couple more weeks and i try to finish it
1: working on it all right okay so we're gonna do uh news and information lots of stuff god so many things to talk about every some stuff in everybody's wheelhouse to talk about, and um, then we're gonna do a uh, top five, which I think we're, we'll reveal at the end of the show. Blake, did I, did you get in on what the top five was? Do you know what it is? Did I tell you?
0: Do I want to spoil the surprise? Was, was it what we well, talked about before?
1: Yeah, you you or know what changed? the top five is, is what I'm asking. Does
0: everybody okay, know? Okay, yeah, I think so.
1: Okay, well, it doesn't have to be a surprise, but we're gonna, we're gonna surprise them with it a little bit and um and because it's valentine's day coming up on monday which by the way george nori called me to do because co- i'm doing coast to coast am on valentine's day on monday night it's like yeah, i'm they're like hmm, who doesn't have a date on saturday oh probably bear get bear on the phone <laughs> bear not married get him <laughs> on the show uh well there's no chance i'm gonna have any romance on on valentine's day because i'm gonna be waiting at home to be on george's show instead of going out and uh and trying to meet a girl so that's coming up we're gonna do a little valentine's day thing at the end and i don't know what it is yet i'm gonna make it up and uh we are also going to get super bowl predictions to everybody yeah ashley how about you and me on valentine's day baby what are you doing well okay probably stay going out with your husband but still damn it um and then uh we're gonna do um do our uh, super bowl predictions at the end of the show okay uh thank you for asking me to feel better mike needs a good woman i have i have lots of women around me not all of them are good but blake in case you missed it the plan for next weekend uh assuming she doesn't flake on me is to have the girl that was with me when i got the masonic tattoo to come on the show and we will discuss how mike got the masonic tattoo because apparently there's people out there that don't believe yeah. me that it was a joke so all right guys so many things in the news it's almost difficult to know uh to know where to start but i think what we'll do is is start out there was a um there was a phil godlewski live tonight and there wasn't again much information in it but it was kind of interesting in the sense that he talked about um he talked about the stuff that indications that there's a plan and he he posted some recent interviews with President Trump, which I don't have here, where Trump talked about uh, that he was asked about, you know, this constitutional process of, oh, well, you know, if the Republicans win the House back in in uh, in November, which, you know, they won the House in 2018 and they also won it in 2020, but it got stolen anyway, that uh, they can select you as Speaker of the House because you don't even have to be a city member. And then we'll impeach Joe Biden and impeach Kamala Harris. And and you could be president again. And, I, you know, that just seems like a crap, lie, bullshit scenario to me, first of all, because it would take so long and the country's going to be destroyed by the end of the year if we if we don't get these people out of office. Now, secondly, it would be nakedly political. And I think that would hinder any future presidency by President Trump. And um, third, I, I just think it's uh, it's way too much. But then. Trump's response to that in this interview a couple days ago was, well, you know, that's not what we're planning, but it would work. That's not what we're planning. So uh, it was fascinating. He said that there was a plan. Blake, you have any thoughts on that particular scenario um, going forward?
0: I just I want to see them do the full audit of everything and just get to the bottom of that. And once in for all, and you know, the democrats had two years to say it was a Russia collusion, run their huge investigation. It's time that uh, the republicans did the same thing and laid out all the evidence on the table with all just just even just the swing states. Something if we could get half of what the democrats had the last couple of those last four years, then uh, it should be very easy to uh prove, or we're wrong and we just have to uh try harder in, in 2022 2024. But at least we'll know and we can ensure uh, the election integrity.
1: Yeah, no, Wisconsin actually, I think this week found um, evidence of 500,000 more illegal votes that are absolutely categorically illegal in a state that Joe Biden won by, I think, allegedly won by, I don't know, 20,000 votes or something like that. But it was... It was double what was needed to overturn Wisconsin. Um, if you throw those votes out with 99% of all of which of course were for uh, Joe Biden because uh, they were all fraud. Candace, what do you think about this um, this constitutional scenario? You're connected with a certain a certain guy who's advocated this scenario in the past. I think it's epic bullshit, but that's just my opinion. What do you think about that idea of getting Trump back in office uh, through the slow moving and absolutely not certain constitutional uh, path?
3: Well, it's uh, it gets down to what's called the, the law of war, which is actually a Department of Defense um, manual that's like 1,200 pages long, that um, on section 11, part three, it basically runs down the fact that um, when you have a foreign government that is now in charge of your country, that the military then is authorized to come in and remove them. So, this is about a you know something that will light a fire under the military, which is really the only way that this is going to work is. That we get them all on our side all the generals the holdouts and everybody else they're they're going to have the pieces of paper um you know stacked up on the desk and you you know you're just going to say do you want to take one stack of papers that say you're going to resign immediately tomorrow or are you going to actually do what it states in the department of defense manual uh what is your job which is to uh clean house and you know, that particular option uh, may not include bringing back the uh, former president, but uh, what it really does include, I believe, is a brand new election, which is what we need to do is to hold on and hold tight until we get to the point where we do have the Congress in our favor, which will happen, of course, you know, later in the year, but uh, basically, that will put the, um, the guns ready to basically go to the next step, which is then to completely um, decertify every election in the country, which is in process right now. Um, and we do have then the high road uh, as far as uh, re-electing possibly Trump. You know, he said he's going to run if, you know, that's going to be possible And then with proper authority, a proper voting source and a proper voting system that we will then have chain of custody, which I've been talking about for how long now? Two years. two years. And uh, because you can go through every state and I'm just, you know, there's one example that came across this, you know, that I think I mentioned last week, but, you know, it's in Wisconsin where the guy sat in front of the, uh, you know, the the sitting uh, se- senators in the state and just said, you know, there were 7,000 votes cast and there's only 5.1 uh, citizens that are actually of age to vote in the county. And, yeah. you know, so we have that all over the country in every state, including Montana. There's some, you know, talk of there being, you uh, some questions in terms of particularly on our tribal reservations as to you know how many people voted and it's pretty simple you go in and you look at the voter rolls and uh, at the census which is all the information is out there so you know it's not like they can play this ruse for too much longer it's really you know been something that they've deferred and they've said well that data is not quite right you know and there's nothing the dominion did wrong and I just watched a program that actually was put out um, November, um, well August 13th actually, and it's on my new uh, Rumble channel, Gypsy Spirit, and it has a, a program with Juan, and he's sitting there right in the in the hallway for the cyber symposium that was held. And, you know, that cyber symposium, they had all the tools and he runs down in terms of, you know, that they they were able to get into the machines and find the actual mechanism. And they found out that uh, it all could be played right through somebody's Bluetooth or somebody's, you know, computer program that was completely not involved with the vote count. So there's there's a lot of like room for error that was programmed into these machines and that uh, they basically should be it should be all thrown out. Yeah. end the story.
1: Uh, you know, I just got to say, from my perspective. That um, you cannot have a solution to this without the reinstatement of President Trump, since he was duly elected by the legal votes. And if you want to then have another election after that, as Nasara demands that within 120 120 days you have new elections, that's fine with me. But I I do prefer the interim solution of Grassley's interim president. Trump is reinstated and then you have new elections. I'm I'm fine with all that. Uh, Blake, or sorry, Brooks. Brooks, Blake, what's the difference? Uh, One's wearing a patch, one isn't. What do you think about this particular scenario? I think the whole congressional process, first of all, getting all those corrupt technocrats and bureaucrats to do the right thing in any given state to withdraw electors on, to me, that's all crap. It has to be the military it has to be now and there has to be some justification for it i think there's plenty of justification as candace just outlined what are your thoughts about this um scenario and what do you think about trump intimating and i i'm trying i'm trying to find the um exact video where he says you know we have another plan uh what do you think about all that stuff and while you're doing that i'm going to look Plan. Well,
2: I, I think there is a plan. Uh, I do not think that it involves uh, putting President Trump in as Speaker of the House. That's a bunch of crap. Uh, yeah. That's a, that's a, a, a sideshow. And we saw what happened when Paul Ryan was Speaker of the House. Nothing got done. The, the minority can screw everything up anyway. Uh, the proper way to do this, I was, I was in Las Vegas, and I was speaking with three state senators and uh, Mark Fincham and mm-hmm. i i said what we what i think needs to happen cuz we already control more state legislatures we own we own 27 state legislatures the democrats own 20 and then there are three that are either tied or independent so right. we have the votes as far as the state legislatures go i said what needs to happen is three states need to decertify their elections and get the biden administration under 270 electors. I didn't think it would be Wisconsin first. Honestly, at the time, I thought it would be Georgia. But if Georgia and one other state decertify, the Biden administration drops below 270 electors. Once that happens, we are in 12th Amendment territory. Mm -hmm. Now what that means, that that amendment was set up because in the early days, we didn't have two parties. We had about five parties. And what they were worried about is that somebody with, you know, 13% of the vote would end up as president. So they set it to where the winner had to have uh, better than half the electors. We have 535 electors, so it takes 270 to to take the White House. Once Joe Biden drops below 270, he loses the White House. And it has to happen within 21 months of the election, so we don't have much time. Now, They objected to me and said, what good would it do us to put Trump in the White House because Nancy Pelosi would start impeachments the next hour, which is probably true. Except that if those states decertify the election, they're not just decertifying the presidential election. They're also decertifying the congressional elections. Right. So what happens is. Trump's administration comes sweeping back in all of the committee chairs change which takes the power away from the minority or the majority who's the majority right now and it sets the government straight now the reason this will work is because the military is there to back it up of course there'll be a lot of disruption the global media empire will be playing you know insurrection 24 7. the military will step in they will stop the press from running that propaganda And the country will right itself. Yes, there'll be disruption, but there's been disruption for the last six years anyway. This charade needs to end. And I don't think it can happen with military action alone. It also has to happen with political action. And that has to be driven by the states the way it should be. You know, right. people, right. people well, grabbed about President, uh, Vice President Pence being a traitor and all that. That is nonsense.
1: Well, again, good, you the know, reason good luck with
2: that. He, the reason that me and half a million of my friends went to DC on January 6, 2021, sure, we were there to see Trump, but we were there to back up Pence. We wanted Mike Pence to know that we're outside and we have his back. And he did exactly what he was supposed to do he took Arizona's objection. He asked them, was it signed by a congressman? They said yes. Was it signed by a senator? They said yes. He said, well, then this meeting is adjourned. The joint session is over. You guys can go back and debate, and when you solve that, come back and we'll reconvene. Mike Pence did exactly, constitutionally, what he was supposed to do. It was then that Nancy Pelosi's henchmen yelled out, run for your lives, we're under attack as the tourists came into the rotunda and took selfies in front of the old paintings. That's what disrupted the election. It was Nancy Pelosi, not the tourists.
1: Well, okay, Um, all well and good, but again, we're running out of time. We have had the election audit in um, in Arizona since the summer. The attorney general refuses to act. I mean, good luck getting any of these local legislatures to act. I think what needs to happen is the same thing I've thought for since the election, which is that they just need to start arresting people, military arresting people, showing everybody what they did. They have all the evidence showing the election interference and you know, lining people up in front of the firing squads that Donald Trump authorized shortly before he left office, the federal firing squads. And just say if people can't handle it, say, here's the evidence. You don't have to believe it but this is what they did and this guy is not the current president the, this other president this other guy trump is the real president because he won so i don't think any of these processes are going to work i think they're all designed to just stall us out like you said until the 21 months has passed right in which case we won't be able to do anything and i'm sorry candace but certain people on certain sides of the aisle are going. well we can't do anything now because the statute of limitations is run out and again i i question i i my big concern is that this whole don't do anything process the people that are saying just give us more time that this is a, just wait for the next election that this is all just flypaper to keep us from going out and doing what we need to do which is what truckers in Ottawa are doing which is shut things down and be prepared to do what you have to do in the streets to to prevent this from uh, ever going forward again you can't trust the elections you can't trust congress you can't trust the supreme court anymore so that's just my opinion i could be wrong but i don't think so so uh in line with all that um i do have uh just gonna give you guys quickly the audio of what president trump said in uh the discussion about the interview recently about there being a plan i don't know who this is with uh i can play it but i can't um i i it's weird the way my screen sharing works if i click on this so we can hear it we won't be able to see the video but let's take a listen here in just a second and see what it is in fact that president trump actually said a couple of days ago in this interview with this guy why can't after we went back to the house you become speaker of the house even for a short period just until we can inve- open investigations against biden and the biden cry family
2: well i think a lot of things are happening and a lot of very positive
0: things are happening and you know when you look into the future that was your idea i heard it from you first i don't know it certainly has been going around and frankly i hope we don't need it because what should happen is What the plan that we're on now, and I think a plan that's going to make people very, very happy, we'll be announcing sometime later.
1: And that's really what should happen. But uh, we will, uh, you know, we're going to make America great again. I can't ask. So, again, you know, look, there's I think there's some juicy stuff in there. What he's saying is there is a plan. It's what we're doing now in the background. You're not seeing it. We have to follow that. And it's we don't have time for this other shit. I think that's basically what, uh, president Trump is saying there. And you know, it's a question of, uh, what is the plan? How are they executing it? Everybody's trying to sort that stuff out. So what it turns out is that apparently there is something called a presidential emergency active action, action document action directive, whatever. Um, called the a a PEAD, And these things are really interesting because if you look at what they're for, they're for, uh, they're, they're stuff that a president can do when we are under a state of emergency. Now, technically, the United States has been under a state of emergency since 1932 when we implemented the New Deal because everything in the New Deal is extra constitutional, so they had to be under a state of emergency, blah, blah, blah. But there was a real overt obvious uh state of emergency and what um peds in the last few years have done things like authorized the detention of alien enemies and other dangerous persons within the united states that was when fdr put japanese americans into concentration camps suspend the writ of habeas corpus that's what uh that's what lincoln did provided for various forms of martial law issue a general warrant permitting search and seizure of persons and property established military areas such as those created in world war ii all kinds of cool stuff And the rumor is that um, President Trump actually signed a presidential emergency action action directive on January 6th, 2021, right before he went out and addressed all you humble patriots like you, Uh, Brooks. And why do we think that? Well, let's take a look at this video from inside the green room area right before President Trump went out to give his speech. Happy
0: birthday, Eric! <laughs> Let's watch
1: that again. Let's watch that one more time. Let's, let's replay that. What is in the red folder? What is in the red folder? and and the rumor is that it is the P, the presidential emergency action di- action document, I want to say directive that Trump signed that basically makes him the president in exile and allows this interregnum that we've had in the last year, year and a half. Um, Blake, do you think that that's anything significant? I mean, obviously, he was going out of his way to show us something. What do you think's in that red folder? If it's not a peed, making him the president in exile during a foreign takeover of the country.
0: I, I sure hope it is. I mean, we've got a, you know this window here is 22 months to uh, you know check out the selection results. So if they've got something, they need to work on whatever plans. They're maybe they're kind of taking their time because they know they they're holding all the cards. But for us that are on the outside, just trying to. You know, ho- hope something happens. It's it's tough to uh, watch because we don't want to go through another election, and we got to make sure that we can uh, have a chance to uh, surround. And I know there's uh, the Durham report. There's uh, there's some been some new developments there as well. I think he also put something out on his Telegram about that. The investigation still in swing. So they could, you know, vitiate this thing or invalidate this entire process. So with, um, and it could happen very easily in a short time. But we're just gonna have to sit here and uh, and and wait until it happens. So I really hope I'm gonna be optimistic. Something uh, really great in that uh, red folder, and we'll all be partying at some point, and with with the glorious song, of course.
1: Thank you, Snake. Uh, Brooks, do you think he showed us that red folder for no reason? Uh,
2: no, I think it was important. Uh, there are calculated, uh, decisions that are made every single day on what move they can make. Um, they can't wait until the 2022 election. You can't wait until you have the majority back in the house because then, uh, you know, Joe's in or whoever his assign will be. So I don't think he's going to make it. Uh, much more than a few more months he's very soon going to come to the microphone and nothing's going to come out of his mouth but drool and i think we're already to that point it's just unbelievable to listen to him ramble he doesn't say anything but a bunch of adjectives and adverbs and he never actually says anything um and yesterday actually today putin met with uh, Joe Biden by phone and we we're not gonna get the transcript of that phone conversation, but it's ridiculous. it's ridiculous. Putin doesn't give him the time of day yeah um, and because he knows uh,
1: he's not he's not the real president because he knows he's not really the president precisely Chief Trump's in charge of the military, so why am I talking to this guy?
2: right uh, right
1: right. Right. So we'll get to Putin here in in a minute. Uh, So, yeah, on the Durham front, it's interesting that did you have something more, Brooks. I'm sorry.
2: Yeah, I was going to say Durham kind of let us know this week that now he's targeting senior officials in the FBI. And this is something we've been waiting for for a while. He first came out. Of course, he went after one of Perkins Coe's attorneys. And then he went after one of the main attorneys that brought the Hillary Clinton evidence in to the FISA court and I thought oh he's aiming right at the Clinton campaign but he made a slight turn and now he's aimed at the FISA now the FISA is important because if you go to court and you falsify information to the judge to get a warrant and the judge issues the warrant but later finds out that he issued the warrant based on false information. That judge is going to call you back into his or her court and is immediately going to ask you, why shouldn't I put you in jail right now for contempt of court, for defrauding the court? You don't do that. Well,
3: and FISA judge never did
2: that. The FISA yeah. judge never did that. Four right. times they issued the warrant, four <laughs> times it was fraudulent. Now they're going after the FBI, and that's exactly where Durham needs to go.
1: Yeah, except the judge who didn't follow the law needs to be, again, arrested. And given the punishment that judges are supposed to get if they uh, violate their oath and uh, just just, uh, so people are clear about what that punishment is, Uh, remember what happened to Saddam Hussein? That's what's supposed to happen to judge. I can't say it, but that's what's supposed to happen to judges that violate their oaths. And this judge was in on the spine on President Trump. And it's interesting that you bring up Durham because that's where I was going to go next. Uh, Durham did take some action on Friday, which is where you usually do stuff when you kind of want to keep it hidden. But in his, uh, he laid out some new indictments. He laid out some new charges. And in the fact-finding aspects of it, he said that the government's evidence at trial will also establish that among the Internet Data Tech Executive One, who is an unnamed co-conspirator in this, and his associates exploited was a domain name system, DNS, internet traffic pertaining to, get this, one, a particular healthcare provider, two, Trump Tower, three, Donald Trump Central Park West Department building, and four. The Executive Office of the President of the United States, Ouch. Tech Executive Company, Tech Executive One's employer, Internet Company One, had come to access and maintain dedicated servers for the Executive, the EOP, the Executive Office of the President, as part of a sensitive arrangement whereby it provided DNS resolution services to the EOP. Tech Executive One and his associates exploited this arrangement by mining the EOP's DNS traffic and other data for purpose of gathering derogatory information about Donald Trump. What he is saying is tech executive number one, who I believe is probably Zucker, it's either Zuckerberg or Jack, one of the two, um, was spying on Donald Trump, not only in Trump Tower, at his Park West apartment building, but also in the White House when he was president of the United States. Here is Kash Patel, who also recently interviewed Trump where he indicated there was a plan This is how he put it today. Special counsel Durham's latest pleading involving indicted Clinton campaign lawyer, Michael Sussman, definitively shows that the Hillary Clinton campaign directly funded and ordered its lawyers at Perkins Coey. If you don't know them, they're like the Stasi or the SS. They're a law firm. They're they're basically a secret police masquerading as a law firm to orchestrate a criminal enterprise to fabricate a connection between President Trump and Russia. Durham states that Sussman and Mark Elias of Perkins Coy hired the Internet executive. Oh, I guess it's Rodney Jaffe and his team to establish an inference and narrative tying President Trump to Russia. We all remember this. Durham writes He has evidence showing Jaffe and his tech company obtained a sensitive arrangement where they were able to infiltrate White House servers per Durham. This arrangement was put in motion in July of 2016, meaning and get this the Hillary Clinton campaign and her lawyers masterminded the most intricate and coordinated conspiracy against Trump when he was both a candidate and later president of the United States while simultaneously perpetuating the the bogus Steele dossier. Hoax, per the pleading. That's treason. It is treason. Per, Per the pleading, the government will also show that Jaffe, at the direction of Sussman Elias and the Clinton campaign, exploited proprietary data to hack Trump Tower And the Eisenhower Executive Office Building to establish a false narrative, which Sussman later relayed to U.S. agencies in the hopes of having them launch investigations of President Trump. This is what his filing contained um, on Friday, two days ago. As Brooks points out, Candace, this is treason. What are they going to do about it?
3: Well, all I can say is that if what hadn't had happened over the last, you know, year and a half now hadn't happened, we would never know all of that. So if anybody questions that there's a plan, that's your answer, what you just read, because what we needed to do is get to the bottom of this corruption that has been going on back to the 80s. And this is something that goes back to Whitewater and Hillary and Arkansas. And the history lesson is something that I am well acquainted with. And once and you I kind know, of.
1: And Candace, go, I, I know somebody else who's well acquainted with it also that you might also know. that we A mutual acquaintance of ours is pretty well acquainted with all that stuff, right?
3: Well, and, and he ran into a brick wall. With that, why? Because it, it was, you know, upheld by a whole group of people that worked behind, you know, Bill Clinton, and uh, that is what that statement that Perkins Coie was—he was—they were at the bottom of that investigation when it completely exploded. And you know, we just can't allow this to happen in this country. And thank God we had a president who was willing to step aside and let this entire farce be played out so that everybody that has a brain could see what it was going on. And, uh, you know, if we have to wait a couple more months to get this done, I'd say it's time well spent. So that's that's how I feel about it. It's uh, It's time to get engaged at your local level. Don't just sit around, you know, eating popcorn, but what we really have to do is turn this into a republic, and that's my basic final statement. All of this comes down to the fact that this country is going to be a constitutional republic. And, you know, the first thing you got to do is retrain the people to actually take the responsibility. We've been trained to basically sit back, take a check, and become not only brainless but also functionless so we've got a lot of reconnoitering to do as they say with uh, you know all of our areas that we live in it it it, nobody is exempt from this yeah you stole
1: stole the words right out of my mouth the difference between a, a democracy and a republic is the responsibility that each individual citizen has in a republic, um, you also have a lot more privileges and you have that in a democracy, but you're also more responsible, so uh, I want to get Blake in on this Blake. Um, Durham appears to be finally acting or at least talking about acting uh, I kind of disagree with Candace and then I think I think that Durham's had all this information for. A couple of years now, at the very least, probably since 2018, he's known all this. He's just now putting it into words, putting it into documents. Do you think that this means that maybe action is finally going to be taken against all these people, and that Obamagate's going to be back in the news at some point here soon?
2: Yeah, and it's going to happen pretty quickly too. Now that now that these so this level, when you get to the fourth floor of the FBI, it starts to happen pretty fast. They're going all the way back to Bruce Orr and they're going to start taking these guys out.
0: Yeah. And yeah.
2: you know what infuriated him more than anything is when everything was given back to Andy McCabe. After he lied, after he kept everything, after they took his pension away and everything, Biden turns around and gives it all back to him. That pissed Durham off.
1: Okay, well, uh, Blake, what are your thoughts on whether or not – is is there – it appears that there might be a plan. It's starting to look like there's a plan. Do you think it's going to go forward here soon?
0: Yeah, it's. In the... I certainly hope so. I, mean, I thought it was developing in you know 2020, and then it just started to take forever. they said maybe he was accumulating, and just this snowballing, and there was so much evidence, and it took a while to actually finally compile and, and dig through the the roots of you know decades of, of corruption to finally you know make sure. Sh- and I have to ha- keep it. You know, it's got to be an airtight case too. You can't just. You know, throw it out there. You gotta, you know, cr- literally cross every T, dot every I, uh, go after all of that stuff. And it has this. This is gonna be uh, something monumental. This is gonna be the. I mean, not only you know, the greatest uh, scandal in American history. People are gonna be you know, talking about this for, uh, you know, the next thousand years. They're gonna be looking at the history books, shocked. The cool thing is that they'll actually have all the documentation too. But I guess these things take a while. But you it's time to uh, start start putting stuff out. So we thought he disappeared for a long time, but then he started kind of smealing, dropping stuff. He got a couple of the uh, low uh, level people and now it seems like it could be closing in on hillary herself the uh wicked witch of washington so no easy task but um yeah this could be uh, history making and he will be uh, durham will be one of the great uh, heroes in american history bringing this down and it'll be a, a big lesson for the future of humanity
1: yeah the wicked witch of washington and and it does directly point to hillary clinton in that document the thing is is that if he just charges these lower level guys and then we have to go through years and years of trials, I mean, it'll never happen. It'll never, the the statute of limitations, I don't know if there is one on treason, but if there is, it'll run out by the time we get around everything. What he needs to do is he's got to get out there with federal marshals and he's got got enough, obviously he's had enough on hundreds of people, at least a hundred people, I would say, for the last three, four years to act You know what? They just all need to be arrested all at once. Just go out, get arrest warrants for all of them, unseal those famous sealed indictments we keep hearing about, Candace, and just go arrest all those guys. Just arrest them all, all in one swoop, you know, nine of the long knives, whatever you want to call it. Go out and get them, and I think that's the kind of shock that we need. In fact, let's do it tomorrow during the Super Bowl. How about And
2: and that's that's the reason why (laughs) devolution is in place, is to... Provide continuity of government when that mass arrest takes place.
1: Right. Well, um, I think Durham is definitely uh, something to pay attention to. Now, um, as we go through this, guys, there's uh, a few other issues. I want to get to your specialty, Brooks, last. Um, But we appear to be – I don't know. I don't know if we're on the brink of war, but we're pretty close. But one of our friends, one of our friends of the shows, Simon Parks, who, by the way, you know, I have people in the chat saying to me stuff like, you know, Simon's never been right about anything. And what I would remind you of is last April when he said they're going to flood the tunnels under the White House and the Capitol tomorrow and the next day. All of Washington, D.C. was flooded. All the sewers were backed up and all the water came out. So next time you want to tell me Simon doesn't have any intel sources, Simon doesn't know what he's talking about, I'm going to refer you back to that particular prediction. And there are many more. But he came out today and said, hey, guys, in case you didn't notice, the, uh, the date, the exact date of the Russian invasion has been announced on Bloomberg. And it says the date of the Russian invasion of Ukraine was announced by Bloomberg may happen as soon as Tuesday. Any action could start as soon as Tuesday, Bloomberg reported on Friday afternoon, citing officials familiar with the matter. The news site also noted that action would range from causing provocation in the Donbass region to an assault on the Ukrainian capital of Kiev. Sounds to me like the Ukrainians are opening the door to let him in, much like the Czechs did in World War II. Uh, Amid the latest standoff over the Ukraine, Bloomberg has jumped the gun and broken news of an invasion already. Last week, a Bloomberg headline reading live russia invades ukraine remained on the news agency's website for 24 minutes until it was pulled down and bloomberg explained it was a prepared headline that was inadvertently uh published yeah date of russian invasion announced by bloomberg even russia today is now trolling them and just to remind everybody this is a situation now apparently uh they're getting really upset in washington that putin is moving his troops inside of his own country but near the ukraine this is the situation i've been told that years ago i was told that the uh, baltic states <clears throat> and portions of ukraine if not most of it and the crimea were going to be given back to russia under part of the um under part of the um nasara agreement so that was the kind of a thing that we were looking at so I don't know, Blake. It it seems to me that uh, Tuesday could be a really interesting day. What do you think? I know these dates come and go and nothing ever happens, but what, what do you think about Bloomberg telling everybody that war is going to start on Tuesday?
0: Uh, I mean, that's the thing. It's certainly possible. Otherwise, they need to do something to set a distraction from all the inflation, from all the bad policy, from the trucker rallies. So they would love nothing more than some reason to get involved in some kind of big conflict somewhere. The problem is you never know if they're manufacturing this stuff. And, you know, you can't really trust a lot of these news outlets. So it's hard to say If, if they can... Get something going and get the public mind to uh, you know stop looking here and, and, and look over there, and then maybe they'll. That's the last hail mary. I think people are expecting uh, the New World Order, the globalists, to play some kind of uh, other card. They already played the pandemic card, and that's uh, that, that's starting to fail. And what can they do now? They want their global reset. They want something. They want to you know, keep their control over humanity. So what are they going to do? Will they lead us to war or not? So that is going to be very exciting. So uh, everybody needs to uh, be paying close attention and, and watch out for false flags and uh, misinformation and all that stuff. And hopefully we can, you know, stay out of any kind of potential conflict. Like we have no uh well, i don't want to say we shouldn't have any business involved in another uh, big foreign uh, war especially not with a, a master uh, chess player like like putin so very very yeah. exciting but let's hope uh cooler well
1: well i mean jen jen has said that she saw biden being removed when he tries to start a world war and that's when the military says okay enough is enough very similar to when John F. Kennedy said, we're going to go to the moon with the Russians in unison. And they all knew that uh, then they would be sharing the ancient alien technology that was on the moon. And they said, OK, enough's enough. We got to get rid of this guy. So I'm wondering, uh, Candace, just quickly. Well, Brooks, let's go to you first. You seem like you really want to say something about this. What do you think's going on? And, and I find it fascinating that Bloomberg is pre-predicting. You know, Deep State Central Bloomberg is pre predicting when everything is going to start uh, on Tuesday. What do you think's going on?
2: Little Mikey Bloomberg, former presidential candidate, <laughs> one of the six rich white guys that control the global media empire, brought us Pueblos Sin Fronteras, countries without borders, paid for the mass migration of Nicaraguans uh, to smash them against Trump's border wall. That Bloomberg is now trying to organize a propaganda move to tell the world that uh, Putin is about to invade Ukraine. All of that is totally fake. Putin is not gonna invade Ukraine. Putin is on the north side of Ukraine because NATO is not only on the south side of Ukraine, but we've been putting cruise missiles in Romania and Poland against the agreement, by the way. We have Aegis on the ground there, but not cruise missiles. Now we have cruise missiles there. All that's provocative. All that is aggressive toward Moscow. We now are seven minutes away from striking distance on Moscow yeah So he's moving his troops into the north side of ukraine that's not the end of the story you hit on it with the balkans now uh, the baltic states the donbass which is a little bit like saying the mid-south it encompasses two areas donetsk and luhansk my contacts are in donetsk and what they're telling me these are all communist russians they are former soviets but they're russians they have grandparents and aunts and uncles and kids in Russia and they are sick and tired of the oligarchs uh, saying that they own the land and therefore they own the people and the people are saying no we want to go we want to join back to Russia just like our Kerman cousins did. The oligarchs don't want that because they own the land. They own the forests and the mines and the railroads and the factories. They don't want that land going back to Russia. So they're fighting what are called separatists. And in the mix of this are NATO mercenaries wearing mm-hmm. SS on their shoulders. They're on the streets in Donetsk, in Luhansk, shooting with 30 caliber and 50 caliber machine guns. And this is not. Peaceful. There are bullet holes in virtually every building in the town. However, in Kiev, it's a different story. I spoke to my contact in Kiev on uh, yesterday morning, and he said, Kiev is fine. Everybody's obeying the traffic laws. People are shopping. Everything's going normally. All the traffic lights are working. There's no invasion. There's nothing going on. They don't fear Russia. They know Russia's not going to invade. Bloomberg has fabricated this entire thing in order to help the Democrat Party. The Democrat Party desperately needs this war. Putin is playing them. Putin is making out like a bandit. Oil's back close to $100 a barrel. Over 50% of their domestic product comes from oil. Putin's making a fortune, and he hasn't lost a single soldier.
1: Yep. And again, it's not going to be an invasion. It's going to be a handover. It's all been pre-agreed. And that's right. the reality of it from what I hear. Candace, I got a feeling you want to get in on this. What say you about the fake invasion of the Ukraine coming up on Tuesday?
3: Well, you ever see a war movie called Wag the Dog? Oh, yeah.
1: <laughs>
3: I think that kind of describes the, the world we're living in right now. Actually, it's where the media has been making it up. And, uh, you know, they run off of money from people like Bloomberg and people like Soros and people like, you know, that want to kill people. So is it any surprise to anybody that they would create a new war? And, you know, it's, it's funny because there's a lot of places you could create a war at right now. Taiwan, China, you know. That kind of sounds logistically yeah. correct. Uh, why did they choose Ukraine? I mean, that was like, you know, it's kind of trying to figure that out, Brooks. Maybe uh, the, you can, uh, the
2: reason they reason no. chose Ukraine is because that's where all the records are of Biden's money laundering.
1: Boom. <laughs> And, you know, and we've got the pictures. we've got we've got the pictures of of Lindsey Graham and John McCain, two more fucking traitors, meeting with uh, the Ukrainian ambassador, I forget her name, who was involved in the whole fake Ukrainian impeachment perjury that she did against President Trump. So yeah. there's been dirt going through Ukraine for decades, decades. and and that's why they would have used the Ukraine. obviously.
3: And you know that if you look think about Putin, and about all the memes that we did you know in the q team and all that about putin and and trump you know they were like considered buddies and i'm not going to say that they weren't because actually they both are on the same page they want to eliminate the deep state from their countries
1: yeah yeah
3: and you know what putin's been actually very successful and you know how he did it he did it ruthlessly he wouldn't up. allow them in
1: and killed them all yeah that's how he did it uh which is what of course some people on this call may be advocating so it's like yep yeah, uh pretty well hard.
3: i wouldn't say they've got the best living circumstances in russia and it's far uh more depressed in some ways uh they have a very good culture but you know their history has been uh fraught with uh, complete annihilation of the uh you know, the ruling parties, the uh, you know, it's it's just they're really used to that kind of horror. And I wouldn't say that's good. So we're gonna right. be more civil over here. So
1: well, let's do that after we get rid of all the bad guys. Yeah, Dave Bear's putting in Putin said last week that there were Russians on the border of Ukraine, but they were not Russian state soldiers. And again, that's right I want to go there. These are mercenaries. These are deep state mercenaries in Russian uniforms, Russian military uniforms that are not Russians. They're not. Well, they're not of the Russian government. They're not being controlled by Putin They're deep state mercenaries. And it, again, I want to go back again. I want to go back to the Trump and Putin Helsinki meeting in 2017, where the media was desperate to keep Trump from meeting privately with Vladimir Putin, which oh. he went ahead and did anyway. Yes. Uh, it went ahead and did anyway, and that's where he passed over the soccer ball with the, the flash drive inside of it, which had all the information on Hillary Clinton and Bill Browder stealing 400, a billion, more than a billion dollars out of Russia, 400 million of it ending up in the Clinton campaign coffers, which, again, Durham hasn't prosecuted yet. But the key thing there that Putin gave him was he gave him, Trump, the positions, the coordinates of the deep state Fake spetsnats, deep state mercenaries in Russian uniforms that were in Syria trying to to bring down the Assad government, which they wanted to bring down because uh, Assad does not have a deep state Rothschild-owned central bank. And that's That's who Trump did when they had the fake – remember the fake pretend chemical attack? That Assad supposedly committed against his own people where we saw not only the people were dead of chemical attacks and five minutes later, they're smoking with their buddies that they just posed with, right? And, and Trump hit them with 57 cruise missiles. What he hit them, what he, who he hit was not Russian troops in Syria. What he hit was the deep state mercenaries with those cruise missiles. That's what he did. So um, my turn to show my guns. I can't, can't do it right now danny but again you know send me a private message i'm just kidding um so all this stuff blake your sexiness is just i think it's the valentine's day thing weekend combined ooh, tv's blake wally ooh, yeah, tank top, and it's a patch trust me blake it's the patch that's turning <laughs> the girls on i think we got a lot of stuff going on here Oh, well, another beer from Dave Barrett. Thank you, Dave Barrett. Not exactly Danny in a bikini, but I'll take another Red Hook ESB, even though I should not be drinking it. I'm flexing. Come on, I'm doing it. I'm doing things. thing. So, you know, Candace, that's the relationship the deep state is the most afraid of, is the Trump-Putin direct relationship where let's get rid of the bad guys.
3: Uh, there's a lot the deep state is just terrified about. So it's, you know, on this particular count... Um, we've got them all, uh, surrounded. We have the entire deep state on the ropes and, uh, they're pulling out every stop. So it doesn't surprise me, <clears throat> you know, as Brooke said, that, uh, we have <clears throat> some really big deals that are going on that are going to, uh, <clears throat> actually be admissible in a court of law that uh, sure. is going to take a lot of people down. And, uh, you know, that, that's that's kind of how we wanted this to roll out because, you know, as we see each one of these areas <clears throat> completely coming unglued, like what happened in the mainstream media over the last two weeks, which uh, of course they've lost control of it. And now, you know, you've got people resigning and disappearing and, you know, the, it, it isn't of any surprise to me because of course, I always said, we've got to take down the mainstream media. We've got to recode the internet. We've got to get people aware of what's going on around them with big pharma. And that is, you know, it's killing people. So we can't take that as something that was just kind of frivolous that we were gonna sort of talk about for a little while and throw it to the side. You know, this is something that is uh, eugenics. This is something that they have been working on for a hundred years. Yeah. And um, you know, just just the count of history lessons that we have to start mm-hmm. teaching people, it it's going to require so much effort to bring this culture, to bring this country, to bring this planet into alignment with God's green earth. And it, wow. you know, it's it's just not something that takes a, you know, a, a two or three quarters just to clean out the financial markets, and then we're all good. This is yeah. what has happened. Year after year after year, as we've all been compromised, we've all been settling for less. We all have gotten ourselves in hip deep in the swamp, and and hoped to change things. But now we have a movement, and now we have the people that are rising up. We've got a convoy of truckers that crossed Canada and is sitting right outside the Parliament. And Trudeau is uh, non-existent now. He is. Gone into hiding. Biden is in hiding. They're taking furniture out of the White House. Get a grip, people. We're in charge. Yeah.
1: What do you think's going on? I know. I know. Um, Okay. We're winning.
3: Eighteen wheels at at a time. That's right. Boots on the ground with wheels attached.
1: I'm gonna come back to this pretty soon, Candace, Don't want to too far off topic. I want to close out this issue by going just like the McLaughlin Group. If you're old, you remember the McLaughlin Group. Let's go around the horn here. (laughs) On a scale of one to 10, 10 being no metaphysical way that we avoid a war or at least the appearance of a shooting war in the Ukraine or in Taiwan, in China, a week from now, one being absolutely no chance that there's any kind of war whatsoever, peaceful, peaceful takeover. Where do you put the chances? Dr. Brooks Agnew, where do you put the chances that in some way, shape, or form in either one of those frontiers, uh, either one of those those uh, fronts, what do you think the chances are that we're at war by this time next week? Brooks, 5, uh, five 10, 1, what do you think?
2: Uh, 0. 0.5. 0.
1: 0.5. <laughs> we go TV's Blake Wally. What do you think the chances are that this time next week that we are in some way, shape, or form, even if it's a false flag, even if it's only in the media, that the we are at war with Russia or China at this time next week? What do you think the chances are?
0: Well, I'll give a three. So they're gonna try to may try to do something. Help too stupid. But uh, you, you never know; it won't stop. Even if it is just uh, manufactured, even as a wag the dog scenario, who yeah. knows what they're going I to be free. capable of? They're desperate, so yeah.
1: Candace, what do you think the chances are that we're at war this time? Next week.
3: I think that the big threat comes from aliens. And, uh, you know, that's that's kind of what I'm thinking is the next week they'll they'll drag out an alien uh, event, you know, sort of intervention or infiltration of of the whole thing. And and our military is all going to stand and look uh, straight up and go, well, that's interesting.
2: Those damn (laughs) Arcturians.
3: you know, I mean, really and truly Brooks we're you know, this could be serious.
1: You can't count on this guy. They're notoriously unreliable. You
2: gotta understand. I mean gonna, Russia's gonna, a good a good defensive country, but when it comes to offense, they are a gas station posing as a country. They're making a fortune off their oil. They're not gonna go to war.
1: Tell Hitler that. Uh, tell Hitler that they're not good at war. Defense,
2: uh, Defense they're good.
1: Yeah.
3: Well, I'll tell you, they fight in the wintertime really good. I mean, uh, you you, you know, that's that's where they Hitler lost is because he sent his guys out over the white expanse and the Russians they, you know, they got their furry hats and their big boots and they just laughed. You know, they they sent them out in canvas shoes. And, you know, again, it's it's all about the weather and the alien invasion. So there there you have it.
1: All right. We got aliens. Uh, I'm going to give it a seven. (laughs) I'm going to give it a seven that we're at some type of fake war or real war. And I didn't think about aliens when I posed that question, but uh, there's some sort of war, I think, uh, seven by this time next week.
2: Here's another reason why I don't think that's possible because Biden is not the commander in chief.
1: Right. But the whole point is that his attempt to become the commander in chief or to start a war would be a good reason to remove him. So I'm going to be optimistic and say that, uh,
2: He's going to yeah. throw a war and nobody's going to come. Mm.
3: It's gonna well, be Biden, it doesn't even have the, you know, he he doesn't have the nuclear codes. I mean, you know, folks get a grip here. He doesn't have the football, you know, and he doesn't even have control of Gitmo, as we know. Uh, they've been expanding Gitmo. and He doesn't yeah.
2: have control of his bladder,
1: let alone the F-15. <laughs> come on. Man.
3: Let's get down to...
1: What about his butthole? He doesn't have control of that either, according good to a lot Good night. So. Uh, yeah, okay, so uh, we have on the order of, oh, 450 people on a Saturday night. That's pretty good, considering right most people on. are doing better things with their time on a Saturday night. Um, so we shall have to wait and see. Uh, Candace, I wanted to get your comments on a couple of things. You've talked about the need to get control of the media back, and I do find it fascinating that um, two of our targets, you and me, have talked I don't know how many times on this show and other shows how much we want to see Anderson Cooper, who we know is is a rapist pedophile, marched out of the CNN offices in chains and taken to prison and get his just due. But it's interesting because both Rachel Madcow, and Anderson Cooper disappeared off the airwaves this week. Cooper was in the middle of his show and then said, "Oh, uh, uh, I just had my—I just had a—my son was just born. How you can do that when you're gay and don't have sex with women? I don't know. Must have been a surrogate of some kind." And I'm leaving the show, and he left in the middle of the show. So, what the hell's going on with the media? You also said there was a Starlink attack this week. So, why don't you take the floor for just a few minutes—five minutes here and tell us all about what you think's going on in the media because it seems like those are some pretty big developments not what I want I want to see them mar- I want to see them marched out in chains so everybody can start to realize what's really going on but I'll take it if they're off the air what do you think Candace
3: well uh, you know Anderson Cooper is, he's one of the Vanderbilts and, um, you know, that's what people do when they have their lawyer that's standing right off stage and has got some paperwork that basically is going to take him to prison for the rest of his life. That was just a throwaway. And for him not to be frog marched out is that they, they did a little negotiation so he wouldn't be publicly humiliated, but his humiliation will come in the court of, uh, of God and that uh, we'll see him um, basically probably, I mean, the worst case scenario that you can think of where somebody that has done the type of evil that not only he, but his entire family have been a part of. So yeah, I think the media is um, well on its way to its complete demise. Uh, The other thing of course, is that we purchased it. We have a white hat that now, Uh, is owner uh, of CNN, if you hadn't heard that. I I announced that last week. But we have, you know, uh, all of the networks really are shaking in their shoes. None of them have made a dime for the last two years. You know, the the numbers came out in terms of their viewership, and they've got less viewers than, um, I think they quoted somebody who's big on the Internet. I think Joe Rogan took more viewers than all of them together. Okay, so, you know, now...
1: Actually, I I have more viewers on a Friday afternoon rerun of an Ancient Aliens episode I did nine years ago than CNN (laughs) does in time. Yeah, baby. Those are facts. Those are facts. Anyway.
3: Well, and that that really does come to bear right now because they just can't prop this bullshit up anymore. You know, it's gotten to the point where we're seeing through it. Um, those of us that have known about it for quite a long time, and I, you know, consider you all out there are aware of this, is that um, you know we we have never seen them really work like a company that would be um, bound to a set of agreements that was you know kind of hard and fast about reporting the truth or even reporting. You know, they've been a part of this script that was written for them um, for at least the last five years. But I would go back to the days when I worked in media, which was back, you know, 20 years now. But, you know, my my inclination at that point in time was just to kind of, you know, try to come up with alternatives. And And, of course, we saw the rise of cable TV and, of course, you know, the internet. So it hardly mattered. And I always wondered, you know, who's watching TV anymore? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I, you know, so, I, I mean, I, I haven't had a TV for, you know, 15 it, years it's now.
1: It, it's weird. I only do, I only watch TV at this point for live sports. Which I don't want to go through all the streaming nonsense because I never seem to be able to get the live sports that I want. I just wanna, I just wanna get there and to watch myself on Ancient Aliens or some other show that I've done. There's on, you know, UFOs uncovering the truth. There's, you know, all kinds of shows that I'm on. That's really it. Not that I watch, not that I spend a lot of time watching myself, but you know, um, that's it really. I hardly ever watch TV anymore. If I watch TV, um, it's gonna be through streaming services. But it is weird because. Because like a guy like Phil Godluski who's saying, Oh, I'm getting a million people on my live streams, there's a million people on his live streams who have no idea who I am. They've never seen me on anything. There's close to a million people watching me on a rerun of Ancient Aliens on a Friday afternoon who have no fucking clue who Phil Kodluski is. I've never heard of him. So it's like we are becoming so we are becoming balkanized in the media through the media that we choose to watch. And it's like the woke media, I think, is now the streaming services and the Internet and what we're doing here. And and the sleeping media are all the people that still watch ABC, NBC, CNN. I mean, there's people watching the Olympics. Good God. Who watches the Olympics? If you're not as gay as Anderson Cooper, why are you watching the Olympics? It's nothing but figure skating. Blake, figure skating is not a masculine activity, is it or is it?
0: uh well, no oh, comment on that one but
1: uh, I, have, I have a I great like, uncle curling. who's
0: actually an olympic skater oh yeah curling
2: yeah well, my uh, uh Nate so.
0: was an olympic uh, uh skater but that was you know that's when the olympics were cool now i haven't watched the olympics probably in like i don't know 20 years just occasionally they tune in I, I i haven't looked at any of of it. I know their rec- the ratings are down as low as they've ever been right. uh, currently. I could care less about tuning into any of it. You know, maybe I would watch a hockey game. I mean, I think like the Miracle on Ice or something. There's a few of the highlights. But otherwise, I have no idea what's going on. And like That's- you, I've, I've totally switched. I watch, oh. you know, YouTube, seeing stuff. I don't watch right. t- TV anymore either. Those are live sports.
1: But the Miracle on Ice, that, was, that was, you yeah. know, a rebuilding, rebounding America. Yeah, the two man luge is the worst, the worst, where one dude gets on top of another dude in a very Anderson is- Cooper position. And I like watching
2: the, the female decathlon, it's where they're doing out. the cross country skiing and the shooting. That they are so hot, and yeah, yeah. It, okay. it, you know things can change in just five you know, five minutes cold. If,
1: if you're into finished girls, it's awesome. And who isn't into finished girls anyway? <laughs> but the the problem is, oh, by the way, yes, Jed, Jed did say Anderson Cooper is arrested and gone. And for him to quit in the middle of his show indicates to me that he didn't quit, that he was taken off. Um, but it used to be that, that the Olympics was a thing because of national pride. Who, what true American is proud of this country the way it is right now? I mean, it's just going to be awful. Uh, who is supposed to perform at the preempted halftime show tomorrow? Uh, I don't know, a bunch of uh, black people that I don't really, you know, I don't like. Um, when are we going to have a real halftime show When are we just going to put Kiss out there? I mean, Kiss is on their final tour. Elton John's on his final tour. Neither one of us has ever done a halftime show. Let's put them out there instead of all this crap that we keep playing and the ratings keep going down. I personally am going to watch the Puppy Bowl at halftime, as I recommend everybody do watch the Puppy
2: Bowl. I thought The Who was great as the halftime. They were
1: great. (laughs) Well, The Who are... I saw the Who a year or so ago here in Seattle. It's it's not the same as it was in 1976. Let's just put it. No, but they're still out there doing it. That's funny. Even Pete Townsend made a joke to Roger Daltrey. He said, you know, years ago, a lot, you know, years ago when we came to Seattle, you know, Roger was surrounded by groupies. Now, now we come to Seattle and Roger Daltrey is surrounded by nurses and <laughs> nurses and doctors to make sure he doesn't faint on stage. Oh, time catches all of us. Okay. Now, there's one um, last story that I want to get to um, besides the truckers, which are, which are who are amazing. But, uh, Brooks, this is right up your alley. We're going to talk about this. Um, it turns out that uh, uh, we, talk, we call them Ivan and Roxy here, or let's just go ahead and say it, ivermectin. Guess what? Not only is ivermectin cure the COVID and cure all kinds of other viruses and heal all kinds of other stuff, Guess what? It turns out now, according to the National Institutes of Health, that it is an anti-cancer treatment. Ivermectin has powerful anti-tumor effects, according to a paper that came to light this week, including the inhibition of proliferation, metastasis, and angiogenic activity in a variety of cancer cells. This may be related to the regulation of multiple signaling pathways by Ivermectin through Pac-1 kinase. On the other hand, Ivermectin promotes programmed cancer cell death, including apoptosis, uh, I'm not going to say those words. Ivermectin-induces apoptosis, apoptis, apoptosis uh, autof- autophagy is mutually regulated. Interestingly, ivermectin can also inhibit tumor stem cells and reverse multi-drug resistance and exerts the optimal effect when used in combination with other chemotherapy drugs. Uh, this is amazing, Brooks, because it shows us it literally the um, the mistreatment the slander of this wonder drug is also keeping us perhaps from curing cancer. It's unbelievable when you think about it. Well,
2: this is what really infuriates me. You know, we've distributed ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine now to over 4,000 people. Yep. In I don't know how many countries, maybe 22 countries. We have not had one single solitary person hospitalized, and I have documented already. People have written me and told me that four people have actually come out of the hospital and are now cured from uh, COVID-19. I'm also getting reports of people who have been triple jabbed and who are shedding, they're bleeding, they're clotting, they have myocarditis, they begin to take ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine, and the symptoms begin to reverse. They're actually yep. dumping the, the the spike proteins out of their body, and over a period of time, they're able to recover from the chemical warfare, which is called the jab. So it's having a lot of effects. And then this... Uh, Release by the National Institute of Health that shows I think there's 19 different prominent cancers that are significantly mitigated by the use of ivermectin. Now people think, oh, it's just horse paste. You know, it's just an antiparasitic. Yes, but the way it works, the way it is an antiparasitic, is it goes after certain proteins that the parasites need in order to replicate. And so they just grow old and die. Well, that happens to be the same protein mechanism that your cells, when your nuclei of your cells go what we call abnormal, and they begin to uncontrollably multiply and metastasize into other kinds of cells, it uses the same protein. And so ivermectin goes in and inhibits that and those cells, because they have a very fast metabolism anyway, they begin to attrit and die off. And the tumors and lesions just go away. Yeah. And yeah. the drug cost 70 cents a tablet. 70 yeah. and cents. I have,
1: by the way, I got I got the supply just yesterday or today that you've been sending me. I have some now to not only replace what I've had to give away, but everybody out there, be responsible. Go to, I'm gonna show you this one more time. Go to uh, Brooks Agnew's website. Uh, Just look him up, brooksagnew.blog or something like that. Click on the store. When you get to the store, scroll on down to where you see the red bar right below that. It says therapeutic special report. Pick up this wonder drug Ivan and Roxy, pick them both up so you have a supply for you and your family and your friends. And another person this week. Mike, where do I get some ivermectin? I'm sick. You should already have it. You should already have it in your arsenal.
2: I, I told you, you, you know, we've sent this out to 4,000 people. Honestly, yep. it should be 40,000.
1: Yeah, or forty.
2: Everybody million. knows about these drugs now, but you cannot get this from your doctor, especially if you're not sick. You can get it from this site, no prescription, and you don't need to be sick. Get this in your arsenal. Yep. It's good yep. for two years in storage, and it could save your life and the life of your friends.
1: And I'm getting not a dime from this, and Brooks is making about five bucks on every one of these shipments. So uh, pick them up now. Go to BrooksAgnew.com or, or BrooksAgnew.blog. Go to the store go down to where the red bar is, click on the therapeutic reports and pick up your Ivan and your Roxy. They're both wonder drugs. And you know, Brooks, it just it just kills me when I think about a patriot like Rush Limbaugh. If he had only taken it, maybe we'd still have him with us. He had lung cancer. Yeah. That's one of the cancers it's now listed as a good treatment for. But he went the conventional route in his treatment and he lasted about a year, year and a half after he was diagnosed. Right. Yeah, it's, it's a real shame. It's a real shame because uh, you should have this in your arsenal. Uh, a lot of people over here saying that they received them. Stephanie Lynn Jackson is here. Jennifer wants to know, how long can you safely take the Ivan? And I, I, to me, it's, just, it's, it's actually as safe as aspirin. So how often do you take safe, aspirin?
2: It's safer than aspirin. You could take one a week for the rest of your life if you want to. There are people in Africa that have been
1: taking it for half their lives. Wow. That's amazing. So, uh, Jen, I know recently went through a treatment cycle of it because she and Brett were both sick. Once you get done with that, take, take it once a week, Jen. So that's, that's your advice and get some more. I mean, you know, thank, thank you Brooks for supplying me so I can help other people and other friends.
2: People need and to it, understand, this is not easy to do. I have a connection with the largest pharmacy on earth yeah. for distributing. They, they have sent out over a billion tablets. They have eliminated COVID from entire countries. Yeah, a very, very powerful but, pharmacy in Japan. The entire country of Japan is supplied by this pharmacy, and they don't use the jab in Japan at all. And they and have mine- no death rate.
1: My two shipments of Roxy and Ivan both came through Mumbai. They both came through Bombay, India.
2: That's where the manufacturer, manufacturers, the manufacturers that, in India.
1: Right. But- and that's the country that's basically wiped out COVID. And the, fa- the fascinating thing is, is that when the mechanic told me in, in January of 2020 that there was a virus coming, he told me it was going to be targeted at India and China. Those are the two populations that were targeted. And they beat it with hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin. They completely beat it, and now they're showing the whole world this is secure. It's like that movie Signs, you know, where we sprayed the aliens with water and they ran away. It's like, it's amazing. And by the way, TV's Blake Wally, do you have any, Ivan, at home? Because if you don't, I'll send you a book in the mail. How's that sound?
0: No, I actually did order a little while ago. I do have them. I can't, they're out of my reach, but I I did uh, a little while back. And they That's are okay. sealed the girls, really nicely, yeah. And I didn't the girls have to want to see you, when, you. When, I, when I did get the COVID, huh?
1: Yeah, the girls want to see you flex. So you can go ahead and reach for it if you want. Again? Um, <laughs> Candace, I'm going to put you on the spot. Do you have any Ivan or Roxy at home?
3: Well, I have a whole boatload of ivermectin. And it comes in paste. And it's something I've been using for 30 years for my horses. And I believe that that actually is safe. And uh, I have never taken it because I basically have never needed it. I have not been sick for one day. Now you can ask me why I don't get sick. And uh, it primarily is because I understand the dynamic of this whole thing is number one, you don't get a vaccine uh, that um, is is to cure something that doesn't exist. And um, then number two is that I have, you know, I've decided or I've I've discovered is a better name that uh that it is a shed that all of us are are um, subject to and this happens through three different uh, dynamics now and it, one of them is uh that we touch surfaces that people have been newly um vaccinated uh on in the same places and that is an entry point there as your hands so If you think about it and you use pine oil, um, which is an essential oil that comes in a form for aromatherapy and um, it's perfectly safe, obviously, you mix it with an expedient like vitamin E, which is a very nice, vitamin E really works good, nice soft hands and and, uh, you just rub that on your hands and it basically will take the itch away. And it completely destroys any ability that that has to go into your body. Now that's skin surface. The next one is by breath, and we are all subject to that. If you get close enough to people and share breath with them, and a lot of times this happens in you know man woman relationships, and and if you get it that way, it it uh, it sticks in your lungs Careful. and
1: might be watching we might have an 11 year old watching so be careful
3: <laughs> well i mean you know i'm not going to state it any other way but it is you know even if you just get close to a friend okay <laughs> um you know so yeah that's been something i've been careful about and i just am not in that category where i, I have to do that with people that are vaccinated so you know, the shed uh, is really the basis of the situation, and the spike proteins are obviously the way that that thing works. It was bioengineered, as we all know. And there's a new way, too. In fact, I, I wanted to kind of uh, query uh, folks, have, they, have any of them had a really bad stomach flu? over the last couple of months.
1: I have, well, I have, I had it in July and it, and it lingered all the way until uh, to October or November. Yeah. Brooks got me my first batch of ivermectin and I took a five day run and it went away. I mean, it, ling- it just never went away, really. It went, it got, it got right. But once I took it, it was boom, it was done in two days.
3: And I believe that that dynamic was actually because of graphene that was put into our food supply. You know, there was a little thing that a lot of people thought was conspiracy theory. Now, this goes back to 2020, where people were putting magnets on packages of chicken. And, um, you know, this has to do with a, um, a feed that they all were given, and a lot of it was inoculated. So, you know, they started, and animals actually can get graphene. And they get it in their system, and they have really weird effects from it. And amazingly enough, it kind of acts like a parasite. Um, So, you know, again, we're talking about a food supply that could have been what it was that you consumed, you know, who knows, but uh, that then is ingested through your mouth, goes down into your stomach, and basically these graphene complexes actually connect together. They are magnetic and once they form into long chains they not only are you know subject to a um, a really bad dynamic that has to do with uh, the, your stomach lining and everybody has a result that is probably the same it either comes up the top part or goes out the right you know and it really is a cycle that for some folks it just takes a long time to rid their systems of so Again, you know, we're talking about several dynamics that are actually, I mean, they are working with ivermectin because ivermectin is a anti-parasitic. Okay, so when you take an anti-parasitic, what is it going to do? It's going to flush out your system. That's how they work. They kill everything. And I always make sure that people, if you're taking ivermectin regularly, be darn sure you're taking a probiotic right. because yeah. it's your probiotics. It's, it's the things in your system that are the good ones that you need to reestablish. And that is 90% of people that are on antibiotic therapy or parasitic therapy, for that matter, they end up getting a really bad case of, you know, not being able to digest their food one way or the other. And the other thing that they get often is yeast. So I'm, I predict that what is going to happen with all of this, and I believe me, I know the scenario backwards and forwards, is that it is going to make people vulnerable to digestive issues. And it also, I've got to add this on, everybody's got to know, you got to tell everybody if you take ivermectin for an extended period of time, it's going to compromise your liver. And that is no fun. No. So, you know, it's it's really something that I have thought through. I have a career in animal science and I have seen it every which way from Sunday. You know, they've recommended, oh, you know, that horse has got parasites every two weeks, every two weeks, you know. Now there's also other types of antiparasitic uh, ingredients. One is phenobenzol, commonly known as panicure. And you know what that's good for? (laughs) It's good for surface contamination. Wow, (laughs) you know, now I would never give it to a horse because personally, it costs too much and it's too much of a bother. You have to give them an entire tube for five days. That's, that's kind of rough on your system. Yeah. But as a surface treatment, it works like magic. In fact, the, the conversation I had with the doctors that are have the ultrasound, which is also a therapy, it is already around, and we are working on a system that... As soon as we flip this big pharma control, which is going to be pretty soon, lots of lawsuits out there, lots of uh, issues with, uh, you know, what I would call is uh, crimes against humanity. And, you know, who's at the top of that list is China. So I wouldn't say that we're, you know, that far away from becoming a Uh, you know, a leader in terms of the world of coming up with health clinics. And in fact, there's an ultrasound machine in every clinic, in every city, in every small town throughout the country. And all we have to do is train the people. It's a short procedure. What it does is it completely destroys its spots. It identifies where it is and it completely blasts it into oblivion and not a shred of it is left. That is a metallic substance that is a foreign object that the body treats like a, any time a foreign object enters the bloodstream or the the, the um, your, your lungs or your stomach, it surrounds it with tissues and then it walls it off and it goes like, we're all good. But the problem is, is it can become tumors. And the treatment for tumors is usually what you're going to have. It's going to happen whether you want it to or not. Um, but they grow and they grow rather fast and they usually turn into cancer. And that's a cancer that you have to take out because you have to remove the thing that formed it in the first place. Even pneumonia, they have a thing called where you expire liquid, where you, um, you, uh, you know, breathe in liquid. Okay, that creates pneumonia. That's a bacteria. But the biggest thing about that is there are conditions that everybody has at one time or another in their life experience with their parents usually. They get to a point where they can't really do anything about eating they lose the capacity to actually chew their food up and swallow it it's a a sin syndrome or a, a significant uh, symptom of Alzheimer's and dementia oh. and I remember profoundly standing in a hospital when my mother had had ins- inspired. I forget the word <laughs> that she had uh you know she was trying to eat and she she took a big breath and it went right down her lungs okay so that's a certain type of pneumonia that um and she was you know they had to flush her out and they did everything and they put her on the oxygen but the doctor came out with the speech therapist and the leading nurse and the whole team of them stood there and i said well what's going to happen here And, and the doctor said you know 85% 85% of these elderly uh, individuals that have, um, you know, dementia or late late phase Alzheimer's die of pneumonia.
2: Right. Exactly right.
3: And so I stood there and I said, well, what, what are we, what's the options? And they said, oh, we recommend putting her in hospice and taking her off all her medications. And that's the end of it. And yes. I stood there and I went, whoa. Do you want to die like that? So there's, there's an, a, an element here that we have to consider. One of them is the health of your pineal gland. One of them in a very real way is keeping your lungs clear. Another one is eating proper foods so that you get enough digestive juices going to really properly do all that. The second worst form of cancer is colon cancer. Okay, you know, I'm just going down the list here. So it's a full meal deal. It's a full package. Everybody has to become their own little physician, realize that we actually have the ability to heal ourselves and that yeah. we have an, an extra special measure of awareness that has come about now. Don't give up, everybody. It is, We're going to see the light of day. We're going to see the the healing modalities come along. But don't be passive about this. Be active. And I've had my say. So thank you.
1: Right. Uh, Chester says, Ivor's worked for his Lyme disease. I contracted it in 2013. My wife got me Ivor. It seems to be working. Also, John Hopkins is no longer researching the use of Ivor. With good results, it does cause gas. Uh, I didn't get gas from my Avermectin, so I would just say that as my personal experience. Uh, Brooks, or you got any redirect on that or anything you want to disagree with? Uh, or,
2: well, the or, thing that's, that's, that's making the thing that's making me angry about the healthcare industry is they're kind of in on it there are a lot of hospital systems that won't see patients in their hospital unless they've been jabbed and that's that's devastating cuz you have people that are putting off actually getting health problems taken care of kidney problems liver problems cancer problems because they haven't had the jab, and the hospital will not let them in unless they've been jabbed. This is a, a, system, a systematic, uh, almost genocide against people. And well, that's
1: what it is. Yeah, it is genocide.
2: They're trying to make us believe, like, I don't know, 69% of the population has been vaccinated. I don't think that's true. No. I think it's closer to 49%. Yep. Certainly of fully vaccinated people because I know a lot of people have got one jab and they said, That's it for me. I'm not going through that again. Uh there are, I do know people that have had all three, but not very many. Not very many. Especially yeah, that, that, uh, that third booster. They say that's, that's
1: a bad really by the third one. Yeah. <laughs> that's killing. You know,
2: me. I just bring up two questions. What does this do for myocarditis in young kids when you get a six-year-old or an 11-year-old or a 13-year-old that suddenly has myocarditis what does this do when they're 30 or 35 or 40 years old the answer is we don't know yeah and so I ask them so what does the microclotting and this isn't something that you see it is something that only shows up in an autopsy but what is the microclotting of genitals both ovaries and testicles do for fertility in humans.
1: Blake You've and I grown up. got alarmed. Me and Blake both got alarmed so, there.
2: Until you know the answer to these two questions, stop doing this. Don't get the jab. Stay Watch which testicles.
1: Yeah, there's no way around that. Yeah. Like, how about you? You want to protect your own te- your testicles there or yeah.
0: I would think so. Yeah, by default yeah normally yeah
2: normally i protect my testicles as well i have all my original equipment at 67
1: thank god okay uh more information than we needed there bro uh, brooks but thank you okay guys that's gonna wrap up the news segment i think for tonight lots of stuff out there these weekly reviews are really awesome by the way if you'd like another cool weekly review of news go to Blake Wally's site. Where Blake, where can they pick up your news report for tonight? I, I know I retweeted them on Twitter, but uh, where can they pick that up?
0: Oh, thank you. Uh, right now it's it's just on Rumble, and you can find it on Twitter or my Facebook for now. I will have it posted on my website at some point probably tomorrow okay. after the Super Bowl. So, Cool. Go check that out. Uh, thank you.
1: If you would like to send me some love, please do so at paypal.me slash Mike or Venmo at Mike-Barra. This video will be taken down off the YouTube channels, um, hopefully within a few uh, moments of this completing. And it will only be available on mikebarra.blogspot.com, which is where you can go to catch all the latest shows. There it is right there. Uh, and then it's going to be on the Rumble site after that. Go to Rumble, search channels, go to uh, Real News Live, and subscribe. We need more subscribers. Let's take a few questions from the Rumble side of things, uh, real quick. Uh, Bill Alm is here. Bill's a great guy. Bill wants to know why did the plan have to be so much destruction? Have so much have to have so much destruction of America? Deaths, ruin of business, and mental damage to mass kids. What was considered? Was this considered
3: acceptable collateral
1: damage? Um, Candice, what do you what do you
3: say about that? Well, that's actually a comment I made in the uh, con- in the you know chat. So, um, and I do believe that people are going through a lot of pain, and I, I understand the amount of um, you know uh, long stint and actual um, you know terror that has uh, afflicted quite a minute, quite a few people. I, I don't take this lightly. And I don't mean to ever sound like it's something that has been fun. Um, all I can say is that we are not being um, having a civil war. We're not, uh, you know, in that situation where we're taking up arms against each other. We're not also experiencing, um, you know. Uh, being dropped bombs on by our own military. You know, there's there's a lot of scenarios, again, that in the background um, have happened in certain countries like China, where they've killed off, you know, um, half their population several times over. And uh, it, we don't live under that kind of rule. So, you know, there's a good side and it's a double-edged sword. And I certainly have to say that there will be a lot of money because we're going to be suing the pants off of all these uh, countries and individuals that um, have done great harm to, uh, to all of us in a very direct way. Um, we are coming into a new era where we'll be able to deal with some of these things. And if somebody has you know, mental issues and such, uh, I really could go on and on about this, but when the internet goes to light Uh, waves, we are going to lose all the uh, negative, uh, bad beta brainwave agitation that has been uh, aimed at us through our devices for quite a while. And that's going to cure a lot of illness in terms of mental problems. And, you know, it's another thing that we're working on again right now uh, is to take people off these serotonin release drugs, which do nothing but harm and then, um, you know, Prozac and the whole program that that went through where it made people crazy. Uh, we've just got a lot to deal with. And I, I hope that folks can understand that just helping themselves out in some simple ways um, is going to be the stepping stones we're all going to have to experience back to wholeness because it is, uh, it's been such a, a damaging, I mean, for my whole life, certainly. And I was lucky, I, you know, I had a mother who fed me health food, and I, I've never had any, you know, weakness or you know thing that I've had to treat. But that doesn't mean that I don't understand it. So um, that's kind of how I look at this. This has been a very part, you know, difficult part of our history. But you asked to be here, and uh, we all know that it is going to get better. And I've said to many people, if you can live for another two years and uh, try to maximize your life and think happy thoughts and pray to God every day, um, then you're gonna be connected in a way that you'll live for many, many, many more years. And that's not gonna bring your children back from the dead, but you know, we do have a chance here to uh, make a better world.
1: Well, that's what we're all looking forward to and hoping for. And I just have one question for the audience. Stephanie Lynn Jackson, what are you doing here on a Saturday night? I've I've been out with you on a Saturday night, and this is not normally what you do. So you should be out having some fun, but it's good to have you here. All right. Entertainment portion of the uh, show. I want to do one last thing. I want to remind everybody. To patronize our wonderful sponsors, the ungoverned t-shirt company.com, com, where you can all get all kinds of cool patriotic gear, like the ungoverned tees baseball cap, the Beetle Dump shirt, the It's a Pandemic stupid stickers, the, the beanie, the Child Lives Matter shirts, the mugs, the Fake News Creates Fear t-shirts, the socks, the patches, the Obama Trader t-shirt, and my personal favorites, the MAGA and Obamagate, which... With is going after things may start to become relevant again. The MAGA and Obamagate crew neck sweatshirt and long sleeve t-shirt in either beige or black. The ungoverned t true patriot gear for true patriots. Please patronize them and once again go to brooksagnew.blog. Go to the store go down to where the red bar is and click on the therapeutic reports, pick up your Ivan and your Roxy and get yourself some health. Okay. It's now the entertainment portion, the last part before we go. So everybody that doesn't want to be here can leave. Guys, tonight's top five, since we're on the brink of war, or at least they (laughs) want us to think we're on the brink. Where Was Shay on tonight? No, Shay was not on tonight. Shay does not get to come on every night. Oh, it would be good to have an eleven-year-old girl segment. I think on the show it would be really cute. But uh, we're not going to do. We're not going to do making a regular thing for Shay, because it's it's late down there in California. It's probably getting close to her bedtime. Um, Stephanie's showing her support. Hate that. Well, I've said thank you to. I've said thank you to Stephanie in many different ways. Um, so, top five tonight. I'm calling it because we're on the brink of war. Your top five war movies before we get out of here. I'm going to start with you, Dr. Brooks Agnew. Did I surprise you with that? I thought you already knew, but... Uh, oh, my
2: gosh. I, I, I There's so many.
1: I know. But so you many war more. movies. Five great war movies. Five great war movies.
2: Wow. Uh, I don't oh, even I'll know want to
1: go. I can go to... G.I. Joe.
2: Team. I'll take G.I. Joe. G.I. Joe?
1: Really? Yeah. <laughs> Reason why GI Joe. <laughs> yeah. Any reason like why pick know, number five. Me,
2: you know, when you when you're talking about comic books meet uh meet uh, war stories, I think that's uh, that's a good one. Either, you know, either that or Captain America.
1: Okay. That's an interesting choice. TV Snake Wally, mm-hmm. snake Plus. Skin. What is your number five war movie of all time?
0: I guess I'm going to go with uh, Platoon. Um, excellent movie with the 80s and, and Charlie Sheen oh, wow. and um, Oliver Stone and, oh, so much cast. Tom Berenger. There's just some really uh, great uh, performances in that one. Wilhelm Defoe. Uh, yeah. The horrors of uh, the Vietnam War and uh, a different uh, perspective on that. It wasn't uh, quite as uh, what people thought it was. So I'll put it number five because it was a little bit uh, depressing. Uh, I guess well, it's war, so I guess that's uh, perfectly normal. But uh, I will go with platoon number five.
1: Number five is platoon. Cool. Candace White Light, give us your number five war movie of all time
3: well i feel like brooks because there really is a lot to choose from but i'm going to go with a a well-known one that basically is going to be my number five and it's forrest gump um i personally think there was more to forrest gump than anybody could imagine because um, you know, and it has been enduring. The only downside is Tom Hanks, who we don't like anymore, but you know, he did a good job, and uh, he was a good actor. Um, and I really think that the subject matter and the uh, the cast, you know, was uh, incredible. Um, you know, we've got a, uh, a director that was, you know, really kind of top-notch. I just think that all of it, you know, has really come to be a a major, um, you know, kind of re- re- remuneration of what happened in the uh, not only during the Vietnam War, but then the after effects of you know families and and all of that. So it was uh, done by you know a series of people that um, you know are not particularly uh, high end anymore. But um, I'm not going to take issue with that. I'm just going to say that's my number five. All right.
1: That's a great call. Uh, Great call. Okay. I am going to go off the reservation and give you a movie. There's so so many great suggestions over here. Um, Black Hawk Down, Bridge on the River Kwai. Just watched that a couple weeks ago, Saving Private Ryan. Although I think Bridge on the River Kwai is more about Stockholm syndrome than it is about, about war necessarily, but it's a, it's a pretty good movie. And that was the one where we had, um, where, uh, The name of the hero is a guy who steals somebody else's identity, and his name is William Shears, the one and only Billy Shears, Mr. Shears. And at one point in the movie, the girl, the actress says to the guy, all you need is to Mr. Shears, says, all you need is love. Okay, I'm not saying Paul McCartney is dead, but I'm going to say Paul McCartney is dead. War of the Worlds, Deb, great call. All right, my number five is a movie you have not seen. It's called Merry Christmas, Mr. Lawrence. It's about guys in a Japanese prisoner of war camp. During World War II, it stars David Bowie and a Japanese uh, musician named Ryoichi Sakamoto. The music is like this incredible spacey synthesizer 80s music. Uh, It's sung by David Sylvain of Japan, sings the title song called Forbidden Colors. It's about a prisoner who knows that he is doomed, and he's, he gets into this psychological warfare with the commandant of the, of the prison camp who's part of the Japanese purges that happened in the late 1930s who also knows that he is doomed. And it's, it's bizarre. It's interesting. It's a fascinating movie. I highly recommend it if you can find it. I don't know where it is. The music itself. Puts it on my top five list, so I'm gonna go. there. I'm gonna go with uh, "Merry Christmas, Mr. Lawrence," and uh, turn it over to Brooks. A lot of other great- Kelly's Heroes was a great movie. Go ahead, uh, Brooks. What is your number four? My four my movies?
2: number four. Uh, I really really loved this movie. I loved everything about it. I loved the story. I loved the grit of it, and it was the pianist. I'm a big Adrian Brody fan, anyway. And I just thought it, it, it hit a piece of what war is really like, that there's absolutely no glory to war whatsoever. Right. It is hell. It is hell on everyone. Nobody wins a war. But The Pianist is one that will just pull on your heartstrings.
1: Okay. Number four, uh, TV's Blake Wally, what is your number four war movie of all time?
0: well this one's uh is a little bit distortion of of history for uh, entertainment purposes that would be uh inglorious bastards
3: oh wow oh, yeah. <laughs>
0: you
3: know. good yeah. choice yeah and, uh,
0: going to, to fight the Nazis with some uh, yeah it was a very uh, interesting um concept there but some also some uh, fantastic acting with uh, brad pitt and uh, christopher waltz that's, that's how you pronounce his name the yeah, austrian Christoph. actor uh Christoph waltz. yeah, yeah
1: so. what a great actor he is yeah, yeah. blofeld in the last <laughs> couple of james bond movies yeah excellent actor good call good call uh danny i, I think are you it's about benghazi okay I'm, i was thinking of 13 days which is about the cuban missile crisis so um you know not exactly a war thing but a war thing last samurai okay uh oh yeah snakes Snake, thank you got a lot of approval okay candace uh white light what is your number four war movie of all time
3: i'm gonna go to one and there's a couple of good things a couple of bad things about it but that's why it's number four right and it's called war horse and we're going to a different war and a very brutal war and it uh it was really really i think one of the best of steven spielberg's and that's saying a lot but he he didn't lose any horses in the making of this movie but he sure did show the horror show that existed within the new uh, gunnery tactics um, of the germans which was the machine gun and it's it's really actually about the most brutal scene right at the beginning where you see all the horses running in you know to the battle lines and they come out and there's a few horses that go by without riders and that's it they all are killed and it just was the nature of that most bloody most horrid most brutal war that existed in, in in the entire history of war and that goes back to the basically the crusades as far as i'm concerned Yeah. so it um is my number um four and that's uh war Horse by good steven God. spielberg yeah
1: a couple people came in with the bridges at toko re which is a a good movie much better novel it's about a about a pilot who survived world war ii gets called back to fight in the korean war and doesn't make it out and all he wants is to get home to his wife and his kids and and live his life and he never uh never really makes it uh really really tragic schindler's list is a great one the green berets uh lots of them on here that we could talk about so um, uh yeah i'm gonna go um I'm going to go number four. This is so hard because people are saying like Paths of Glory, which is a great Stanley Kubrick movie from the late 1950s, I think, early 1960s. Uh, In Harm's Way is a great one. Saving Private Ryan. But I'm going to go, even though it was a comedy, I'm going to go with MASH because it was hilarious. And it starred Donald Sutherland, Robert Duvall, Elliot Gould. It's it's a really excellent movie. It There's a lot of blood and gore. And it just emphasizes, in some ways, the absurdity with war of war. And I think it's a movie everybody should see. And it spawned a very successful TV series. So it's um, it's it's hilarious. And the football game at the end is just absolutely the best. The football game is the best. It's it's a comedy, but it's a black comedy, and a really excellent hunt for red October, Doctor Strange. have all kinds of great movies in there. That's my number four TV. Uh, yeah. Sorry. Dr. Brooks Agnew, your number three war movie. Well,
2: I almost hate to make it my number three because it's such a great movie. Very few times do you have a war movie that actually changes the world. It just changes the way we think about ourselves, but it explains the real reason why most wars are fought. And the acting in this movie from beginning to end was just off the chain, and it is Braveheart.
1: Oh, yeah. Great movie. Yeah.
3: Huge. Yeah.
1: Huge. Yeah. Great movie. Um, not sure I'd exactly call it a war movie, but pretty close to a war movie. Pretty close. Uh, really good stuff. Really good
2: well, stuff. Well, to me, charging across the tundra with a battle axe in your hand, that's real war.
1: <laughs> in a skirt. Yeah. Charging across the tundra with a battle axe in your hand, wearing a skirt. That takes that takes gonads. That takes testicles
3: absolutely well you know and you remember brooks the uh speech that jim caviezel did that oh, had yeah. the section of uh brev Hart in it that that to me was yeah. the highlight oh, of the entire God. program he yeah. was
2: so good yeah run and you may live for a while yeah he was amazing,
1: amazing. yeah yeah um uh, yeah mash sally kellerman and mash was Pretty much naked. So yeah. Sally Kellerman was uh was fetching. All right. TV's Blake Wally or Blake Pliskin. Tonight, You're number three war film of all time. Number three. I'm
0: gonna switch it up. I'm gonna go with the uh, little uh, another fantasy, a little sci-fi action. I think somebody already said it, but uh Starship Troopers. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. A decent.
3: Oh people get Ooh, to, uh, you just board, introduced a whole nother genre
1: <laughs> yeah, well, it could be. A yeah, it, a, it, did a movie. very interesting
0: job with that one. Yeah,
1: yeah it's kind of an anti-war. <laughs> that was a, film. a very creative, cool, huh? Yeah, it's an anti-war film, really. It is in a yeah. lot of ways, anti-war film.
0: Yeah, but then the world kind of unites, and they go and and fight a uh a, a foreign enemy from another uh part of the ga- galaxy, I guess. So. But a lot of interesting stuff. With uh, I had uh, Neil Patrick Harris and it's uh, a great strategist. and some other yeah, a very creative different take on the uh, sci-fi war genre. So Starship <laughs> Troopers number three,
1: Casper mm-hmm. Van Deen and um, Denise Richards and some other people. Ooh. Yeah, yeah a, Denise yeah. Richards yeah. was
0: excellent. beautiful. Yep,
1: excellent movie, excellent movie. <clears throat> okay, uh, Candice Whitelight, Light, your number three war film of all time.
3: Well this is this is really probably my favorite but then it's going to make it a 3 just because it it's a little different and it um it really also changed the world in terms of the way we were dealing with uh, Somalia. Um Black Hawk Down.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. And
3: yeah. um that is a Ridley Scott movie who Ridley is probably one of my top 3 directors um that I enjoy. And um, I've got a really personal experience with it because, of course, I I have known some people that that were involved in it in the uh, actual occurrence um, of Black Hawk being brought down, and that was a, from what I believe, a a President Clinton um, task force, you know, sort of boondoggle. Um, It just wasn't ever something that should have happened but uh you know we lost a lot of men that day and i'm glad they did a movie about it and historically it will be you know required viewing for those that really want to know what happened over in somalia so that's my number three black hawk down all right
1: uh excellent movie and excellent director no question about that
3: um my
1: number 3 is a 1970s film about the japanese attack on pearl harbor it is called tora 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 which means tiger 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 which was the code phrase to let everybody know that we could attack we are going to go forward with the attack on pearl harbor it emphasize, again it's an all-star cast it emphasizes the utter stupidity that went on i mean they actually detected the incoming japanese planes On radar. And because of a bunch of screw ups in the lazy, unaware American military, we didn't launch any planes to intercept them, nothing, lost all the ships and went into um, went into basically forced us into World War Two. You can question whether or not you can question whether or not um, there was something, you know planned about it whether roosevelt let it happen but a lot of it it makes the case that it was just incompetence at various levels of the officer corps in the united states it's a great movie it really does a great job of emphasizing all the stupid mistakes that went into allowing the pearl harbor attack to happen so my number three is tora 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 which is great and it's there's a great scene in there where shiro Mufuni, i think it is who plays um yamamoto says i fear that we have done nothing except awaken a sleeping giant and fear him and fill him with a terrible wrath i think is what he says amazing uh, amazing movie great war movie okay dr brooks agnew your number two war film of all time
2: um it's kind of a toss-up but uh, i think i'm gonna go with Patton. It was was just one of those movies that from the very opening frames, George C. Scott pulls you in with this speech that he gives. And then it's it's all about him thinking that he's a reincarnated uh, Roman general and he's fighting Rommel and he He ends up getting, you know, political. He gets crossways uh, with uh, Eisenhower politically wants to kick the Russians butts all the way back to to, to Russia and they yeah. won't let him and I actually mention his death in my book uh, charm of favor a lot of people don't know this but uh, when when he was um, attacked they rammed a truck that he was being or a car that he was being chauffeured in the truck hit the door right where he was seated. In those days, they didn't have safety glass or anything. We yeah. ended up getting a concussion and having to go into an iron lung. And while he was in that iron lung suffering, uh, he told uh, the rider that I uh, accessed, this is a hell of a way to die. And he died about three days later.
1: Yep yeah there is um there is a interesting book called the spirit speak which is um uh by a psychic you know like jen we use i use jen jen on the show and she said um he said in his book that Patton actually lived paralyzed for like 18 years after that and they kept it in secret i hope that's not true basically paralyzed and trapped i hope that that's that's not true. So, uh, yeah, it really is terrible. Uh, TV's Blake Wally, your number two war film of all time. Oh, by the way, yes, it's correct. Lee Harris, thank you. I fear that all we have done is awaken a sleeping giant and fill him with a terrible resolve. Yeah. Uh, ask the people of Hiroshima and Nagasaki if that's true. Okay. Yes. TV's Blake Wally, your number yeah. two war film of all time.
0: Oh, somebody just said stripes. That would have been a great pick. It, we we yeah, easily yeah. do like a top fifteen on the war movies. There's yeah, so many. Know, it's hard. It's hard to yeah. so many too.
1: So many great ones.
0: <laughs> so many great quotes in that. Yeah.
2: <laughs> John Candy. Was, so I guess I'm
0: gonna go number two. Oh, the late, great John Candy, Bill Murray, Ramis. Yeah, some genius stuff there. Great movie. Honorable mention. But on my list, I'm going to go number two. I'm going to go Troy. The old, great uh, ancient warfare with the uh, the Greeks going to uh, war with Persia. It was not a justified war, but... It was a great war to uh, be involved in, which is why uh, Achilles, as uh, Brad Pitt, went over there, and uh, so many great characters, so many interesting stuff. Just just thinking of back in those those old days with the uh, the Spartans and, and and what have you, and um, the ancient battles, and we still speak, we still know who Achilles' name is because that's one of the. Yeah. things they talk about about mm-hmm. having your name remembered the time. great Led so.
1: Zeppelin song Achilles last stand. What a great song that is too. So, you know, yeah, everybody knows, everybody knows the story of Achilles. His only weak spot was his, his, uh, his heel Achilles yeah. heel and uh, Helen of Troy, the, the face that launched a yeah. thousand ships, which now of course is hot top pickle girl uh, Amaranth. So yeah, absolutely. That's a great call. It's a great call. It's an excellent <laughs> movie. Okay. Yep. What's that? What's that play?
0: Oh, I said Prince Hector and the Trojan horse. There's so many great things that we still talk about thousands of years later. Yep.
1: Candace Whitelight, your number two war film of all time, 300. Another good call. Candace.
3: Um, Well, what we've got is uh, another one that of course, one of my favorite directors of all time by Stanley Kubrick and it's full metal jacket okay. and um boy it gave you the backgrounder for every recruit's life that ever existed uh it took place in a boot camp at uh, marine corps recruit depot in south carolina and two people that ended up really just making their career and that was R. lee emery who yeah. uh you know he had a a long career until he died uh, not that long ago and um You know, he he, he was a drill instructor. He was the classic model for all drill instructors. Um,
1: Yeah. (laughs) Opening scene where he just goes after everybody was fabulous.
3: Yeah, it was. And, you know, it was an unusual sort of film because uh, Kubrick, who was just a control freak about every little detail, was so impressed with... um, his performance that he basically just let him run with it. He was doing improvisation and it was just like two or three takes and they were done. They put it in the can and and it just came out, you know, it uh, it got a lot of awards and it just is worth uh, my number two spot on uh, the top five today, uh, Full Metal Jacket.
1: And Kubrick is famous for doing like a hundred takes. Yes. So the fact that he only did two or three takes and said, "That's it, I got it." That that's amazing. Yeah that 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 opening scene. That's just literally what he used to do. He's I guess I read as as a drill instructor. He just basically treated those guys mm-hmm, the way yeah. he would always treat his his uh, his recruits. So that was really amazing. Great, yep. great movie. Um, okay, my number two um, war film of all time i talked about it on toxically masculine tuesday a couple weeks ago it's called the blue max it's from 1966. it stars george Peppard, james mason uh ursula andrus is the countess and uh some other famous german actors of the day it is a fabulous film about world war one ace pilots george Peppard plays a, a a foot soldier who comes from dirt who gets amongst all these elites of uh, the not only the Air Corps, but the officer corps, aristocrats, and is determined to win Germany's highest prize, the Blue Max, which you get in the film. You get for 20 kills as an Air Ace. He makes one crucial mistake along the way. He's rivals with this guy, Willie, who is uh, an aristocrat and is banging the uh, general's wife, who's a countess and he takes the girl away from him but he also claims when willie gets killed uh in an accident uh trying to outfly george papard's character bruno Stockel, he takes credit for the kills and then he makes the biggest mistake a man can ever make it's valentine's day coming up do not you never tell the countess. there's two things you never tell the countess that you're having an affair with number one you never tell her your deepest, darkest secret that you took two kills, credit for two kills that you didn't get, and you never tell her that it wasn't about her. Okay. You never tell her, Oh, it wasn't about you. That was about flying. But what I'm gonna get at is that the, the visuals are amazing considering there was no CGI. They actually had to do these stunts. There's stunts where they were, they were these two guys. Um, Willie, who's played by a German actor whose name I can't remember, and George Burkhardt, they're flying in between the the struts of a bridge trying to outdo each other. And that's how his his biggest rival, who looks down on him, gets killed. And it's like, they actually did that. They actually flew World War I-era planes through those bridges. And it's like, when you think about that, it's phenomenal. Literally, if you remade the film today, you wouldn't have to change one word of the script it is literally perfect it is brilliantly executed i can't recommend it enough i, re- I recommend all the movies on this list that everybody's talking talked about but the blue max is currently my number two of all time and you may ask why is it not number one well my number one is just even better than that but the blue max is my number two war film of all time blake you're nodding. have you seen the movie
0: i have not but i'm an- intrigued i'll have yeah. to uh, check that out sometime
1: Never tell uh, the please. Countess that you're having an affair with, that you took credit for two kills you didn't actually get, and that it's not about her, it was about flying. Okay? Don't tell her those things cuz you will screw up your whole life. Dr. Brooks Agnew, you're number 1 <laughs> for film of all time, please.
2: Well, ultimately war movies should be about war. And uh the reason we do movies like this is to make sure we don't fight wars. And I think Spielberg really did it in this movie. The first 45 minutes of this movie will leave you numb. It will absolutely just blow your mind with the fear that men felt as they were storming the beaches of Normandy and it's saving Private Ryan. The rest of the movie you can kind of give or take. But that first 45 minutes is unbelievable.
1: Yep.
3: Yep. There isn't anything that's close. I I totally agree, Brooks.
1: Cannot disagree with that. You want to to know
2: what what the fog of war is, what it's like when that door goes down on that landing uh, ship. That's what it's like.
1: Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Okay, TV's Snake Wally, Mr. Skin, your number one war film of all time, please
0: yeah good call that was on my list yeah the invasion of normandy makes that entire movie that was uh this absolutely fantastic um number one i'm actually going to use uh, one of uh brooks has already mentioned it but it happens to be one of my personal favorites and that would be of course Braveheart, and mel gibson and the great william wallace fighting off the english for the independence of scotland so, um, just uh, such a super cool movie. Another one of these uh, ancient warfare th- type of things. I wasn't, you know, wasn't uh, that ancient, but um, certainly a, a different era of uh, style, and mm. um, just just um, terrific stuff. So I'm gonna go. By the with, way, uh, my ancestors, and, uh,
2: the hereditary sheriffs of Galloway, were close friends of Robert the Bruce.
3: Wow. Oh yeah, that wow. is really cool. <laughs> yeah, one well, of
0: got it, got nobles, yes, nobleman.
1: Wow, amazing, uh, amazing, yes. really, really good movie. Uh, Mel Gibson, Sophie Marceau, um, and Patrick McGowan as Edward Longshanks could not be a better villainous. Oh, I was mean, what awesome. a great role, what a great part. He just he chewed up every single scene he was in. Just, just amazing. Just amazing stuff. Okay, um, Candice Whitelight, you're. We we didn't do yours yet. You're number one war film of all
3: time. one. Well, I'm really torn. Um, I just uh, you know, I'm going to go with the actor and the director again. That uh, the actors that were an entourage, and I don't think anybody's mentioned uh, Sean Connery yet and Michael Caine. And this particular movie was um, A Bridge Too Far. And, ah. uh, I think mm. it, you know, the acting in it was so ex- incredibly good. Uh, the director was, uh, Richard Attenborough and it was kind of an obscure incident in history. Um, and it was about based on a book that, uh, you know, they didn't follow exactly, uh, correctly. And, um, you know, but it was during world war Two, and it was about the, uh, intelligence officers and, um, the, you know, the idea of, of doing war as a calculated um, event, where you had strategy and where you had, you know, play to play kind of situations in the war rooms. And, you know, it really was the right thing for Michael Caine to do. And that uh, here we have Sir Michael Kane and Sir Richard Attenborough, who, uh, you know, were basically on the same page with doing a film. Um, We have a dynamic that really turned out quite English and quite well, even though it was based on an American theme. Uh, But, um, you know, I'm going to go with this as my number one. I really advise that people watch it right now because it's actually a strategy that's ongoing and is in play right now about all of this, you know, saber rattling, as we call it. Because it has to do not with city-states, not with the basis of anything, but it has to do with personal disputes. And like Brooks said, you know, where Putin's, he's making a billion dollars on it. Actually, that was the whole theme of World War II, is that we played both sides, by the way, and a lot of money was made.
2: Oh, and yeah. you
3: got to think about that, because, you know, if we're, we're killing large numbers of people and destroying people's land and property and everything else to get a buck. I think we're on the wrong side of life. Totally.
1: Yeah. Um, and that film is about operation market garden, which was Montgomery's uh, Bernard Montgomery's idea.
2: The folly to
1: to, to, to basically try to seize these bridges behind German lines with paratroopers. And he got tens of thousands of men killed simply because he wanted to be the first to get into Germany instead of Patton, who was kicking ass everywhere. And he was nowhere near the general that Patton was. And the thing about that film is that the whole operation was simply to allow Montgomery to take glory. And so many battles and war, it's about a general wanting to claim credit rather than um, being about what was best for the man or what would be the best way to win the war. Uh, I found the film a little long candace i thought it was a little long but that's just me um but it's a good call and it is it should it, if it should really re-emphasize to you what an absolute fool montgomery was as well as macarthur my dad served under macarthur in world war ii and thought he was an idiot as did most people who served under him the great escape we've got all these great movies okay i have before i give you my number one and i cannot recommend the blue max enough i have to give you i have to give you my my um runners up here that didn't make the list. The other day I watched Run Silent, Run Deep with my brother, uh, Dave. We watched Run Silent, Run Deep. It's about submarine warfare against Japan in the Pacific. And it's directed by Robert Wise who directed star trek the motion picture and there are literally scenes in star trek the motion picture that are lifted right out of run silent run deep where the executive officer gets taken out yeah gets his, his job taken away by the aging captain captain kirk or captain whatever the hell the captain's name was it's literally you watch it and it's like remember that star trek episode with the invisible romulan spaceship balance of terror best episode of star trek right literally all these scenes are just, just like stolen. I can look at this and say, there's four or five different moments in the original Star Trek that were taken right out of that movie. It's an excellent movie. Very enjoyable. I think Cleopatra qualifies as a war movie because of all the war battle scenes and things that went on there. Even though they had low, they didn't have the budgets for those kinds of things then. It's about, war. it's about how war changes people. I highly recommend that. Fail Safe with Henry Fonda and Larry Hagman mm. is a war movie about the tensions of the cold war and nuclear destruction i highly recommend that one kelly's heroes is hilarious where it's the end of the war and americans and a german are trying to work together to steal a bunch of gold midway not the one with ben affleck but the one from the 1970s with henry fonda and a bunch of other people i don't know were we better than the japs or just luckier henry fonda wants to ask at the end of it great war film but my number one it's already been mentioned it's lower on brooks's list Patton. Patton is the best war film ever made. I don't think it's even close. I think the opening scene, the speech that Patton gives, is something that every single American should listen to. You know, if I was a school teacher, I would show the I would show my students the opening forty minutes of Saving Private Ryan, so they knew what war was really all about and what their grandparents went through. And I would show them the Patton speech at the beginning of that. Trump has actually used it at his rallies. Patton was a true American. He was faithful. He was uh, a strong man. It's about an interesting character in history, a guy who was right. It's about the political correctness slipping in to the American military at the end of the war. It shows what a complete fool Montgomery was. Once again, it's a great movie. It's almost flawless in its execution. And again, it's the same thing. If you remade Patent today, you would not have to change one word of the script, written by the way, by Francis Ford Coppola, who is one of the great directors and filmmakers of all time. I mean, literally think about Coppola. Coppola in the space of a few years made patent as a screenwriter and the Godfather films one and two as a director and screenwriter. I mean, it's just, it's absolutely amazing stuff. Absolutely pick it up, go see it. Any other final comments? Brooks, I,
2: I would like to read a poem from a World War II vet that I met when I was down in Mississippi. His name is James Gary McGregor. Can I read that poem?
1: Absolutely. Go ahead.
2: In the summer of 43 and every summer before, a sweet olive tree blossomed in our garden. Soft bouquet wafting through the house like the collective perfume of a dozen southern bells radios played the laughs of fibber mcgee and molly amos and andy the summer somber news of war in between ten miles south of town in the piney woods men rehearsed to kill other men and upholstered our streets with uniforms on weekends we weeded victory gardens like patriotic puppets tore stamps from ration books for meat and gasoline while Europe's cities burned, her people scattered in the ashes. Small flags were hung in the windows by wives and mothers, a star for each son or father who went to war, a telegram their greatest fear. It is so unreasonable that my best memory of those grievous years Is only a sweet olive tree in summer.
1: Wow, that's um, beautiful. Pretty amazing. And I I mean, you know, my dad told me war stories about the Philippines before he passed. And um, I don't know, they should be put down somewhere. It's pretty amazing stuff. Uh, TV Snake Wally, any final thoughts before we hit the road here?
0: Uh, I guess. Couple of uh, honorable mentions. I know people are mentioning The Patriot. that was on my yep. list. That's also yep. an excellent movie and should be part of that old American patriotism. Also, the one thing I was surprised nobody mentioned uh, that I saw is Apocalypse Now, yeah. which I thought would be somewhere. Yeah. But we could all do a top ten easily. So,
1: yeah, I don't, I don't, know. I don't think it's of a... it specifically as a war movie, although it's clearly a war movie. Another Francis Ford Coppola. Oh, yeah.
0: Absolutely.
1: Yeah, Martin That's... Sheen. And, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Good stuff. Maybe I should have put that on instead of MASH. So, yeah. Um, and also, yeah. uh, Candice, I wanted to mention that Connery and Kane also starred together later, directed by John Huston in The Man Who Would Be King, which is right. not exactly a war movie, but it's set in a war time in India, I think, or right. Georgetown something and uh, another great movie that they made together um candace any final thoughts or any other uh, films you want to throw out there before we go
3: well i i considered a couple that maybe warrant some uh message one is uh, charlie wilson's war which was uh quite personal and quite kind of lovely the way that it kind of talked about, um, you know, life in general and, you know, your poem reminded me of that, um, Brooks, because, uh, you know, there was a lot of personal stories that came out that were, you know, highly uh, affected by just a personal experience, like, uh, you know, just a picture or a tree or something. And, you know, it, it really is a, a part of war that we have to understand is, uh, experienced by everybody right now and i just want to say we are going through a war right now and uh when we come you know 10 years away from this and start making personal stories and drawing out those uh instances you know we're all going to have something to contribute to this in our own way and um you know when you start thinking about that yes it's a digital war you know, and that's that's an entirely new type of war. That's something that nobody has experienced anymore and, you know, or experienced in the past. And, you know, I also wanted to give a shout out to Schindler's List, which, of mm-hmm. course, affected a whole generation of people, I believe, that really wondered about if there was any Jews that got out of, you know, um, You know and who was involved in that and i i don't know how much of that is factual but it sure was dramatic and uh you know a lot of that was of course uh what is it spielberg that did that and you know it was kind of like a little bit of um you know kind of artistic license as we call it but uh you know war is is a tough thing to talk about i think we've done a excellent job of this and i i just want to throw out also casablanca who, yeah. uh, you know, is uh, yeah. probably one of the best ones, yeah. you know, in the line. Here's looking at you, kid.
1: Yeah. You know, it's funny, Candace, because a lot of movies from that period, the 40s and the 50s, people say that uh, Citizen Kane is a great movie, and that Citizen Kane sucked. It was boring. I thought it sucked. I don't know why anybody thinks it's a great film, but Casablanca from the 50s, wow. It, you know, it's dated. It's not like... The Blue Max. Where we went. It's a dated film, but it is a an excellent movie for that period of time, and about the sacrifices people have to make in war, and a, a really um, really excellent film. Good call on that one. Good call on that one. Okay. Yeah, uh, I just
0: saw it for the first time last year.
1: It's still terrific. Yeah, it's it's still a terrific movie. Yeah, you, I mean, as old as it is, it's yeah. a terrific film. It's absolutely terrific. So yeah. can't really complain about it at all. It actually uh, makes the history. Yeah. 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 All right, so tomorrow night, uh, Brooks Agnew, Dr. Brooks will be on on X Squared Radio at 8.30. You got a special guest tomorrow, Brooks, you want to talk about? No,
2: 8 o'clock. No, it's uh, just uh, more news and analysis. I've got so much to go over, you can't believe. Three hours is not enough time.
1: Three hours is not enough time. Don't forget to go to Brooks's, uh site, brooksagnew.blog. Go to the store. Go pick up your Ivan and your Roxy. Absolutely <laughs> do that. TV Snake Wally, Snake Pliskin, thanks for being here tonight. We love you, man. Thanks. We'll be back. Hopefully, we'll be back next week. Candice White Light, as always, love you too. Remember, this is going to get taken down off the YouTube channels within 15, 20 minutes. It will be up on MikeBear.blogspot.com and on the Rumble site, Real News Live. Go there, open an account, subscribe. Don't forget about the folks at the ungoverned t shirt company.com. And I think unless we're at war next week, which we hope doesn't happen, we will be back again next Saturday night. It would be great, though, if there was a fake war and Joe Biden was removed in the next week. That'd be a hell of a show for next Saturday. Let's all hope that happens. Uh, If not, either way, we'll be back a week from now. I'll be back on Monday with Jen Jen to do the Monday morning update. Love you guys. Have a great Sunday, Saturday, Sunday. Oh, I forgot. One last thing. Super Bowl predictions. Super Bowl. Yep. Brooks Agnew, who's going to win the Super Bowl? What's the score?
2: Uh, it's going to be Bengals. Uh, it's going to be 21 to 20.
1: 21 to 20, the Bengals. TV Snake Wally, who's going to win the Super Bowl? I'm going to
0: go with uh, with the Rams. I'm going to say, uh, I don't know, 24-20. Um, twenty, twenty, yeah. Cincinnati's got a bright future ahead. They'll win plenty of games. LA could win. They're at home, and then they'll be dismantled because of
1: salary cap. So yeah, yeah. Let them have
0: their glory because they're playing a home game.
1: I don't know.
3: Candice White, like, do you have a Super
1: Bowl prediction, or do you not even care?
3: Well, you know, I really don't watch the Super Bowl i, I will watch the Puppy Bowl though, and uh, I'm sure that the uh, Dalmatians uh will probably win that one, but uh they're damn cute as puppies, you know so um the uh the the guys that I want to win, and this is has to do with what Brooks just said is the Bengals because darn it's it's the year of the tiger. <laughs> So, yep. you know, this is a uh, would be a fitting, um, you know, sort of everybody's looking at the Super Bowl. But the real winners on the field are going to be the truckers. <laughs> they're,
0: yeah. they're
3: being kept away from the area. They got the police out there and, you know, they're going to let them closer because, hey, wouldn't that be cool if we could just shut the whole thing down? <clears yeah, <clears <throat> so that's my awesome. prediction.
1: Let's hope that they do that. I have... <laughs> I, You know, the Rams physically are probably a little bit better team, but the Bengals have a great coach. They've overcome a lot. And Joe Burrow versus Matthew Stafford. I don't see greatness in Joe Burrow yet, but I'm going to take Joe Burrow over Matthew Stafford on the big stage. I think Matthew Stafford is a
2: choke. I like a quarterback that smokes a cigar and not afraid to do it.
1: There you go. In Detroit, they used to call him Matthew Padier Statsford. I think he's going to make a big mistake. I think the Bengals are going to win it 31-28, something like that. I do think they're going to put 31 up on the board. I don't think the Rams are going to be able to contain Jamar Chase in their offense unless somebody gets hurt. I'm taking the Bengals. My heart says the Bengals. The Rams probably are the better team in terms of the roster. But I'm going with the Bengals because I just want them to win And You know, the Bengals have sucked forever. So isn't it great? Wouldn't it be great to see them (laughs) win a Super Bowl? It would be great. The the Bengals and the Bills would have been the best Super Bowl ever. But then one of the sad sack teams of the NFL would have lost. So let's hope we can get the Lions in the Super Bowl sometime soon after the Seahawks win two or three more. Okay, that's it. Love you guys. We're out of here. Thank you, everybody in the chat. Stephanie, especially all you guys that have been here all night. We love you all. Thank you, Candace. Thank you, Brooks. Thank you, TV's Snake, Wally. We'll be back on Monday. That's it. Bye-bye.